Show episode number 191. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee is with me in Las Vegas mm-hmm. on this special, special Thanksgiving edition of the MMA Road Show. I love it. Just chilling at the Casa de Cold Coffee with the windows open. You cannot beat Las Vegas. I November twenty second, three o'clock in the afternoon. Sixty eight degrees. Sixty eight <laughs> degrees, man. That's you pretty cannot good. beat this weather. That's pretty good. Thanksgiving lunch is done for both of us. Yeah. We went two different routes. You went the uh you 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 grinded, son. Yeah. You grinded, son. I uh I just went to the buffet. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I'm glad I'm very thankful that we are here able to to get together to do this again. And yeah, man, I'm I'm stuffed. We did the we did the ham route. Mm. You know, Agent H been bugging me for for ham forever. Ham's not like one of my favorite things. Right. I mean, like, uh, you know, we talked to literally, like, eating ham at, at dinner is like, okay, but then ham sandwiches are so great. So you can't, if you can't you know? do ham as the central entree, and yeah. it sounds like that's the route you guys yeah. went. Yeah, I, I, well, you know, it's funny, because we talked about that, because they also had, like, uh, prime rib roast, and, like, ah. uh, like which I, bone and ribeye, so like, all day long, right. every day, you know. But it was like, well, if we get that, we can make the ham as well. But I was like, I'm going to eat that. I won't even fucking touch the ham. Right. So I purposely didn't get the roast because I knew if I did that, I wouldn't touch the ham. So, right. But what's good is that, you know, now ham's been done. Checkmark done. Okay. For at least the next 10 years, she cannot ask for ham on Thanksgiving. You know, so hopefully we'll be back to normal turkey day. Yep. They don't call it ham day. They do not call it. They do ham not day. call it ham day, so we'll be back to normal and do a turkey thing or like a, a roast. I do like roast because I mean I could eat beef all the time, oh, all day long. Yeah. But I did yeah. prime rib. That's what I did. We oh, did, see, that's we went to up, the Cosmo, man. did the Wicked Spoon buffet. I've never been there before. Yeah, we I've were, never been there either. We were gonna do the M, more of a locals joint, but we say, you know what? We've been yeah. there before. Let's try something different. I bet it wasn't and, uh, cheap because I bet they they got you. It was not holi- cheap. You got that holiday price. It was too. not cheap. It was not yeah. cheap. But I mean, to be honest with you, I'd rather pay a little bit. We don't have any family here or anything yeah. like that. So to do all the cooking, all the cleaning, all that, man, I'd rather just go <laughs> As you can see, like, the cleaning hasn't happened here yet. I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> the dishes are still out. <laughs> Maybe we, we're holding out hope that you'd want some of the other fixing. We did make some yams with it, some mashed potatoes. Uh, uh, she made some stuffing. And uh, she had a coconut cream pie. Man. I'm, that's not my favorite. It's not my favorite. I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll be real. I'll probably have a piece. Even though I haven't, but it's not my favorite. Like banana cream pie is probably my favorite, but most places they you, you're forced to either make it yourself right. or they have like the frozen version. And right. some frozen versions are okay, but like you know, unless you have a, a a lovely family member that wants to whip up some banana cream pie, it usually doesn't happen for me. But that's my favorite. That's my stuff. So Thanksgiving, I'm telling you, I, the way I feel right now, I I, I kind of thought on the drive over here, yeah, maybe this will be the first ever episode of the MMA Roadshow. Where we just invite the listeners to take a nap with us. <laughs> you know? it, it could still like, happen. Hey, just lay down. It could still We're happen. We're going to go to sleep. You can hear the, the wonderful tune of us snoring. You, yeah. can, you can hear what our, our girls hear every night. Because I'm about to take a nap. Yeah, that, that could happen. That could happen. <laughs> I think there's been a couple of times where we've almost slept while recording. We have definitely nodded off a couple of times, especially in the early days when we were probably a little worse about uh, about the way we handle business. But yeah. uh, listen, I, Thanksgiving is good. It's done. And now we get to enjoy this beautiful weather, have a couple of frosty beverages, and talk some MMA because yeah. just because it's Thanksgiving – 
We don't take a week off, son. 191 consecutive weeks. That's crazy. Never an episode missed, man. That's crazy. That's how we do. I will say, in the background, the Cowboys are on TV. Dallas Cowboys. I was going to – I'm recording the game at home. I was going to try to avoid spoilers yeah. and, and do all that. But well, it is behind you. It so. is behind me, So, I, but I figured the I'll try odds not to of that – should I, should I not tell you the scores behind you? Uh, please don't. Okay. I feel Uh-oh. you're probably going to anyway. Uh, I'll probably forget that you just told me not to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, look – Zeke, he scored again. It's all good, man. I will say that is one great thing about being a Cowboys fan. I know that people like to hate on Cowboys fans, and that's cool, but come on. I'm born and raised in Dallas. What am I supposed to, you know, like the Redskins or whatever? Come on, man. I mean, it's my Not hometown so team, but uh, it is cool, man. Uh, your team plays on Thanksgiving every year. You know, if you're a Cowboys that's fan, cool. you get to see your, your team every holiday, which is cool. And Do I used they to, always have three games? No. Well, when it we were kids, it used game, to be two. Right? It used to be two. What, Detroit? The, the Lions the always Lions played the early game because I remember yeah. as a kid, I used to love waking up early and watching Barry Sanders play. Yeah. I used to love watching Barry Sanders play because he was amazing. And uh, then, of see, course, we get was, to see the Cowboys. You know, I, I think that – who is it? Was it Bart Starr? When did Bart Starr play? <laughs> I that's think, a, that's how old I. I think before I was born. <laughs> that's how. Old, that's what I remember Bart as a kid. Star, isn't that like the sixties? <laughs> Probably. That's how old I am, folks. So no, uh, no, but yeah, because I was looking at today, I was like, wow, we have a third game. I was like, has it always been like that? Like, granted, most of my life, I you know, football, it's on, but it, you know, it's usually it's the yeah. after thing to eating all the food. Right. Maybe I nap through. The parts where they added a third game the day I don't pretty, I don't ever remember I mean, it's, it. But. It's, it's not it hasn't been a whole lives. Yeah. You know, now but it's, it's nice though. Now it's, it's all the TV day long. Era, man. It's all day long. Pretty yeah, soon they're gonna be playing football cool. every day of the week, man. There's gonna be Tuesday night football, Wednesday night football. What if it was everyday MMA? Would you be sick of it? Because you know people always laugh. It was funny because people always say like, you know, you watch this football game and it's a four hour show, but you only see fifteen minutes of action. So we could have football every day and we would still only see one hour. Yeah, <laughs> one hour. You know, a little bit more than that. But it's uh, a good question. You know what, man? That's actually a really good question because I will say, um, I think it, I do kind of like the 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 build up to the shows. You know what yeah. I mean? Like having a couple days to be like, okay, let's reset our mind. Yeah. Who's fighting this week? You know, like I don't mind like when we had like. PFL on Thursday night and then Bellator on Friday and UFC on Saturday. I didn't mind that so much because, yeah. I mean, it was still a lot to juggle. It's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot. lot to juggle, yeah. but at least you still had, like, kind of Monday to recap what happened and then Tuesday, Wednesday to kind of like, okay, who do I need to be reading about and who's fighting and what yeah. am I thinking about? So, yeah, man, if they had, like, if they had every single day – I, I might be – you know be what, tough. man? I, and, I, and I know I know some people are already screaming saturation. I get that. Yeah. But that might be the point that even I say – it's too much because, you know, yeah. if it was like baseball where during the season it's every single day, yeah, because I don't think you have time to really contemplate the matchups and contemplate uh, what's on the line and that's yeah. what I think. That, that would well, be too that's, much. That's, what, that's what I think the part you would you would lose is the whole – the build up, the characters, the yeah. stories behind it because it would get to a point it would be so much. I think we would get as viewers could be like, okay, and what fight's on tonight? Okay, we, we're, wa- we're planning on watching the fights. Then it would just be about, all right, Watching the fight solely just on what the fight is without the story loses a lot. Like if you don't know the backstory between the two different guys, or you know maybe what one guy's went through to get to this point. You know, granted, it does happen sometimes when it's a card and it's, you're seeing a guy for a debut. In a sense, you are just seeing that one. But it would but just that's be a story it in ju- itself. It's his debut. True, true. You know, I think it would just get to a point where our whole what we wanted out of a fight would change because we were getting so much of it. You'd watch a fight and you'd – it would lose a little bit. I, we'd probably I be more critical because we see so many fights we'd be expecting 
you know, everything needs to be the, the one better knockout to do the other mm-hmm. ones because we see so much stuff, you know, whereas now you see guys, and if you know the stories that come in, and you just respect the how hard they went in there and fought, you're like, that was still a good match for me. Yep. If we saw that much, I think we wouldn't think the same way about it. I, I think agree. we would see those and be like, okay, let's not have these guys ever again because they didn't give me, you know, I saw – 26 knockouts today. How come I can't see 27 the next day? Or I completely agree. You know? I mean, look, we still see things like Yair Rodriguez's knockout where you go, yeah. oh my God, I've never seen that before. Right. But for the most part, I mean, yes, every fight is unique and every fight plays out a little bit different. But for the most part, the sequences of moves, the finishing moves, yeah. what, you've seen it. You know, it's just what sequence they're going to happen in, yeah. how it's going to react. And it's nice you don't see it all the time. That's right. You know, whereas if we saw, you know, this crazy spinning back yeah. hook. That just knocks a guy out, and you're like, "Oh, I saw three this week." Yeah, it'd you be wouldn't tough. think it wouldn't be it wouldn't be as exciting. But, but to me, that's what I saw, and it's funny because I don't want to make it sound like uh, it's like a soap opera. Yeah. But but I do like that. To me, is what gets me involved in the fight is knowing what these people sacrifice, knowing what's on the line, yeah. knowing it's like, and that's that's why I tell people all the time, like, uh, you know, if if you're getting into a fight or you're trying to watch a card for the first time, if nothing else. Put like one dollar on every person that's that, right, on like every right. fight, so at least you have a vested interest. Right. But as you get to know people's stories, you're like, I like that guy because he's from my hometown, or I like that girl because she said this, and I like her attitude, right. or, or you know, I don't like that guy. I want to see him get his ass kicked because he's cocky, or whatever right. the case may be. You know, and I think if there was MMA every single day, as much as I love the sport, I think you'd you'd, you'd lose that. Yeah. You wouldn't have time to what's the pre-fight interview, right. what's the you'd lose it. It'd be crazy to think that, well, one, I guess it'd be good for the sport in the sense if it could ever get like that because you would need multiple promotions to even sort of do that. Sure. I think if the USC tried to do that every day, one, I think every employee would probably shoot themselves. <laughs> but, you know, you're right. I mean, I think part of the buildup is part of what we enjoy and in the, in the fact that there's a little bit of air between events so that people can kind of soak it in. Was that a good event? You know, who do I like now? Who did I used to like? And who am I, you know, paying attention to now where – you know, maybe, you know, and people have always said that about the pay-per-views, you know, like what makes me want to reach in my pocket and do it if I feel like I just had to do it last month, you know, where if there was a little bit of space and let people, you know, sort of soak on it, you know, the different events, you know, then I think people would, you know, what it's like supply and demand, you know, if you hold back a little bit of that supply, people are going to demand it a little bit more. And they're going to be more into it. They're going to mm-hmm. have more vested into it. In Which their seems head, weird so. because I'll be honest with you. I'm okay with MMA every single weekend. Yeah. I just can't have it every single day. Yeah. That I would need be a crazy. little space. <laughs> I'm okay with it every single weekend. <laughs> you never see your family. Oh, no. Well, let's talk about last weekend. Uh, it, it was UFC in Argentina. Uh, didn't get a chance to make that trip, unfortunately. Yeah. It was the UFC's debut. Saw a lot of people down there. Seemed like a really, really cool place. But I did just want to touch on it briefly uh, since there's not a ton of MMA coming up this weekend. <laughs> we got a little bit to talk about. Apologize for some of the coverage. Yeah. Probably shouldn't even go into that. I know. Well, whatever. I'll just leave it's it all, as that then. It's an adjustment <laughs> era in the MMA yeah. junkie regime, and things were tried out, and, and none of us were really incredibly thrilled with how it went. Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. Neil Magny uh, befelled by Santiago Ponzinibbio, who looked fantastic. Um, I want to say this. I, I was super impressed by Santiago Ponzinibbio. I, yeah. I always have thought he was a tough guy, and, and I thought that uh, you know he had – you know, great opportunities ahead of him, and he's really, I think, finally starting to get realized. Yeah. I will say this: uh, I don't, I don't know that the fight necessarily could have gone any differently. I thought Santiago was going to win the fight, yeah. and I thought he did look good. But you did feel bad for Neil. I mean, you're talking about what the first punch thrown, he's already blinded. You know, he's yeah. already pawing at that bugging. eye, and yeah. couldn't see. And um, 
So I feel bad for Neil. I mean, he's one of those those dudes that is just as tough as they come, as nice as yeah. they come, obviously. Yeah, very, very nice. Durable and showed his heart. But, I mean, he was basically just a wounded animal from the very beginning. And yeah. So I, I, I don't know that it would have changed the course of the fight. I think Santiago was always going to be too much for Neil Magny. But I just felt bad for Neil because I felt like he was never in the fight. Yeah. And and that just goes to show partially, I think, Santiago, his fighting style. He went in there with so much confidence for him to push forward. And he literally – it was like he built a fence around the center of the octagon. Yeah. was like, you're never going near there, Neil. And he – pretty much that was a, the case of the whole fight. You know, yep. there was a couple times when Neil actually – you know, usually right at the beginning of the round, you know, he believed in himself and he was believing in that jab and that jab was doing good deeds for him. But he took a couple shots and then it was done. I mean, like, it had to be so frustrating for him to constantly have to be on his wheels, moving side to side just for the fact that Santiago was giving him no breathing room. Uh-huh. And when he was uh, and making contact, Santiago, the power, like it's I think it's kind of like one of those things like uh, with Connor's left. A lot of times you look at it and you're like, it doesn't look that bad, right. but. Wow, I'm just gauging the reaction of what Neil was looking like and what it was doing. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, he had incredible power and he had good speed. I mean, he looked like he had plenty of – I mean, he was pushing the pace and it didn't look like he was tiring any. I mean, granted, it wasn't like they were nonstop clinching or doing anything. You know, it was more of him chasing Neil around and around. But even in that, that could be very, very tiring when you're trying to chase around a guy. But I was, I was thoroughly impressed, man. Uh, it was, and, and like you said, Neil, he's, he's a super nice dude. I respect, you know, his history in the military and things he's done. And you, you never like seeing somebody just kind of feel like uh, they were never really in the fight at all. To never you know? chance. If they looked down two different levels. Yeah. You know, once the fight started going, and it could have been that initial. Uh, you know, shot to the eye, and, you know, those leg kicks immediately were just destroying him. That was that got to be hard to watch, yeah. you know, whereas you knew it was like, dude, just go to his legs, and they'll literally – you will stop the fight just by leg kicks, which is absolutely crazy. You know, that's like what Aldo, when he used to just dismantle dudes' legs to where they couldn't walk, and uh, that was hard to watch because then you're like – then you feel bad because then you're like, wow – How's Neil going to throw? How's he going to even keep himself in if he can't even stand, you know? Um, that just goes to show how devastating proper leg kicks in that manner are. And just how hard. I mean, he literally was sweeping him off his feet with those leg kicks. And I was just yep. like, oh, my God, I would not like to do that. Just like with, with Donald. Donald used to leg kick the shit out of people. And I remember somebody once got into a octagon with uh, Cerrone and was like, go on, man, kick my legs. And it was, I think it was like a – it was. It happened at Syndicate. I forget what was going on there and what the deal was, but I remember what? the guy. The guy was like, like a media day. It was like a I don't know if it was a media day or I can't remember if I was there for as UFC or if this was like a media sort of thing or oh, something. Jeez, but the, I want to say remember this. I want to say it was just like a regular Joe, and uh, I forget what it was for. And uh, but yeah, the, he took a he even Cowboy had a uh, shin guard on him, so it wasn't straight bone or anything but i think sometimes those can hurt just as hard because oh, yeah. it's hard plastic yeah and uh he fucking whomped this dude's leg and he didn't even he did it looked like it was maybe like 75 80 percent like cowboy was like he you sweep knew. him off his feet or he just left him limping no he left him limping uh. but the dude crumpled like and his buddy was gonna do it too i forget what it was even for him and his buddy was like Fuck i don't no. remember that but it was like no so and maybe it was when i was with the ufc it was years ago oh, yeah i funny. forget what was going on but uh yeah so, yeah, that just shows me leg kicks, man. That shit will destroy. And it literally took him out of the game, uh, that and those shots to the eyes. But, yeah, that was painful to watch. Painful to like, watch. 
uh, you're like, just please, just kind of find that way to finish because I don't want it to see it prolonged at that point. I like Ponzinibbio calling for a title shot. It's not there. That division's too 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 stacked up at the minute, and I don't yeah. see you can't jump in front of Colby Covington. I get it; he's nobody's favorite, but Colby's deserved that shot. He deserves the next shot at Tyron Woodley. So, uh, good call. Co-main event: Ricardo Lamas uh, picked up the win over Darren Elkins. That was another one. It's hard to watch. Darren Elkins is yeah. too damn tough for his own good, man. He, I, I love that guy, man. He is he is as tough as they come. Another super nice guy that's just. Incredibly durable, but um, Lamas was clearly in control and got the TKO. I mean, to finish Darren Elkins is something special. Um, so good performance by Lamas. When yeah. Lamas is on point, he's a dangerous dude. But yeah. but I, uh, this is a serious question I want to ask you about this. Did you see what he came out with this week that he found out he was fighting with a blood clot in his leg? Yes. That he thinks developed. He says it. I don't. He says well, I mean, it, it developed on the plane. It can happen, and it can happen. Yeah. But but I. So I don't know if you can know that for sure. But he yeah. says it happened on the plane. I mean, it, it makes sense that I mean, because usually I think one of those things that you go into a doctor or something like happens. Right. They ask you or if you're just on a long. We just on a flight. Okay, so here's the th- here's what I was gonna ask. We've been on some long plane flights, right? Yeah. But usually we're thinning our blood a little bit while we're doing it. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, but let, let's be. Is right. that a good thing? You think that's you think that's maybe it why does. we've never because we are certainly not the pictures of health <laughs> that that Ricardo we've Lamas been in some is. Tight spots. We've and been we, some tight and we have been. I mean, we you know yeah. economy plus. We get yeah. economy plus, but but we've been in some middle seats. We've yeah. been in some regular seats. I've almost canceled flights for being. in You the have. Seat. I remember that. <laughs> you. Oh, that's a great story. Side note, real quick. Cold coffee is a quarter Filipino. Always wanted to go to the Philippines. <laughs> We get last-second approval to, to bring him as a cameraman to the Philippines for the show in Manila. And he's like, yes, man, I always wanted to be there. Like, this is dope. I always wanted to see, like, part of my ancestry's from. He gets on to book his ticket and finds out that there's only middle seats available and says, I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> Career bucket list item. See and there were only middle seats on there. So, I'm, but it's I from wonder. The, it's for the safety. It's blood clots, bro. He, he ended up pulling the trigger. I talked him into it and told him not to be an idiot, and he came. We had a good time. But I wonder – if if the alcohol on a flight is a good thing, just to, just to keep your blood thin, well, I mean, it keeps the clots from developing. I mean, if we're if we're trying to set a guide for what fighters should do in the future, <laughs> partaking in a beer or many beers is probably not the smartest. But uh, a couple glasses maybe of red wine, a couple glasses of red wine. You know, but it's one of those things. Like, and this is just not if you have it's in a tight seat or anything. Part of being that that uh, high up and just being cramped and not moving, it can happen to anybody. We sit, you sit in a chair. Your legs, there's partially you could be losing, uh, you know, feeling some of your legs, you know, just the circulation mm-hmm. just from sitting in that position for so long. That's why the, the that's why they say, and it's even in the little books that nobody ever reads or in the little magazines Do and other stuff. It suggests, yeah, just get up, walk, go to the bathroom, stretch your leg. Even if you're in the Yet seat, again, there's different. Yet again, if you're pounding frosty beverages, it's going to make you have to go pee. There you go. Then you got to get up and go to that's, the bathroom. That's that's it. I mean, this is the <laughs> MMA Roadshow Guide to proper travel etiquette yeah. and proper health, to be honest with right. you. We're, we're here to prevent blood clots, you know, folks. <laughs> That's what it is. But, you know, I know some people were, were jumping on the facts saying, like, oh, they should have been able to get bigger seats, whatever. Seats, yes. If you're able to, say, if he did have first class or whatever and he could lie, lie flat, he would be moving. He would be able to roll That's around and do whatever. Yeah. You know, but just the fact that, I mean, for, you know, we're not – there's not like a blood clot, clot epidemic that's happening. <laughs> People are flying these distances daily, right? Over and over and over. And we're not hearing it. It's because people are 
there's you you could be a smart traveler get up move your feet when you're just look up some of the ones like you know and i say this to people listening i mean like if you have your knees are flat to the the floor and you you could do like little heel hit lifts leave your toes there but just stretch your calf and just go up and up right. and then do it the backwards keep your heels down and lift your toes up right you know there's different things you know move your shoulders you know roll your head there's things that there that are out there that you could do so the fact of yes if now he's not a big dude even in the small seats, I doubt it was to the point of where he was like, I physically can't move my legs. Right. You know, I'm being pinched in a certain thing. He's probably one of these cats that can fr- probably hold it for super, super long, or he slept most of it. Mm-hmm. So then he stayed in a prone position. And it's just – it's law of averages, man. It's just you it's do something. It's just going to happen to somebody, you know, and unfortunately it's for him, you know. Granted, that being said, the fucking UFC can pay for at least economy <laughs> class. You know, they can do the extra things, you know, that would partially help if it's a matter of he felt like, you know, with an extra, you know, two or three inches, he would maybe be doing knee things or doing whatever, you know. Granted, they can spare the, you know, the change to, to, to do these sort of things. So Something to be wary of. You know, it is. And, and, and it, it can happen because it's a long – those are long flights. I mean, I don't know where uh, he comes from originally, what part of the states he is. Uh, he, he lives – I mean, he used to live in Chicago, but he trains in Florida. And I think he, so might, he might live in Florida. Far East Coast. So. Yeah, but it's still probably nine, ten hours from yeah. Florida to Buenos Aires. Shit, nine, ten hours. That's not no more, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Take that, note. Ten hours, is, ten hours is a haul, man. That's, Take note of the – Coach Compartment Calisthenics by Cold Coffee. <laughs> That's right. And make sure you stay hydrated post and pre-workout with frosty beverages. <laughs> That's our advice to you. That's how you prevent blood clots. But uh, that uh, would suck, though. Ah, oh, it's terrible. I can't believe. It. Thank, thank God, nothing serious happened to him, man. That would have been awful to see. Yeah. Uh, Ian Heinish uh, picked up a big win over Cesar Fajara. Um, and not to, and I don't, I don't want to gloss over Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker looked great. Felt bad for Khalil Roundtree. Obviously, yeah. he's a guy that we've taken to over the years, uh, living and training out here in Vegas. Yeah, Walker was a beast. Uh, but Walker looked incredible. But, but Ian Heinish, uh, the win over Stays of Hera, impressive. He dug deep. Uh, he you know he stepped in on short notice. But uh, just wanted to say, if anybody hasn't read it, go read it, man. He put a piece on the Players Tribune. You know, we had heard that he had been in jail when he won on the contender. Somebody told us, man, this dude's backstory is crazy. Like, he was in jail, and, and, and that's how he learned Spanish. He speaks Spanish fluently and all this. And we were like, whoa, that's crazy. But we never really had a chance to, to, to follow up on it much. Um, and uh, he penned a piece for the Players' Tribune, which is a website that, I'll be honest, I don't frequent much, but is basically – I think like all basically first person athlete accounts is how it's set up, huh. you know, where everything's written first person. Now people get help, of course, writing it. You know, yeah. they have ghostwriters and stuff, but it's all written first person. But he wrote a, a piece, and the title of it is "Ever Been to Rikers," and it is deep, dude. If yeah. you di- if you didn't read it, I'm just saying right now, don't stop what you're doing now because keep listening because because <laughs> we don't want you to go away. Yeah. But once but you're right done with this, that. once you're done with this, pull that up, bookmark it, whatever you got to do, because uh, it is, dude. His, his life was intense. Uh, Cheeto Vera picked up the win over Guido Canetti. Always happy for Cheeto, man. Uh, just a, a good dude, man. Always fun to be around. And of course, he's got the the story of his family. You know that that uh, his daughter that had the the issue that had to have surgery where she couldn't smile, and he's he's you know he's gotten t- that taken care of. Uh, he's just got a great backstory. Cynthia Cavillo uh, picked up a win on the main card as well, beating Pollyanna Botello. Uh, she's legit. She's legit. I did want to bring up though. Botello or Cavillo? Both of them actually. Yeah. Cavillo, uh, you know, her, from her time away, which was stupid. Her time away for suspension for marijuana, which is just dumb. Stupid. Just dumb. Uh, but I will say this: she missed weight, and she's come out since and said, "Listen, my period started, and you know that happened, and and that, I'm sorry." 
But I will say she committed the cardinal sin to me, and that is she came in with 90 minutes left in the weigh-in. Ah. I just always like to – and I'm not, I'm not knocking her. I'm not knocking her, but it's just my personal – I like to see if you're gonna miss weight. Yeah. That you, I don't want to say you suffered, because again, I'm not talking about. She was suffering. Yeah, she looked bad. She almost fell. And 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 look, if her, if 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 it was as bad as it seemed to appear on there. Now yeah. she said since it wasn't as bad, but you know, it looked like she almost fell on the scale. Um, if if, if her safety was in danger, I'm not saying hey, risk death. To, to, to follow this unwritten rule, you know yeah. what I mean? But to me, it is one of those unwritten rules. You know, baseball is a sport with a bunch of unwritten rules, yeah. right? You know, how, how you're supposed to conduct yourself, yeah. what you're supposed to do in certain situations. And I get some of it's stupid, and, and I, I've heard people say, well, that's dumb. If it's a rule, it's a rule. If it's not, it's not. But to me, if you're going to miss weight, unless, of course, you're, 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 you're dying. Yeah. I don't know, man. To I like, I like, like to see. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so maybe I'm out of line. Yeah, I mean, it was – well, I mean, I think it's – you're right, though, in the sense of if there is 90 minutes, I think the the problem or maybe the disconnect is uh, they pushed her, to me, what it looked like, they pushed or she pushed her body to the limit at that point. She was struggling to stand on the scale. She right. looked like she was struggling to get into the hoop, looked like she was struggling to take her clothes off to get in, like, and then getting on the thing. And then I was thinking, like, oh, God, she's going to fall just getting off of it. Right. You know, I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. But what happened there where I think, you know, there could have been an to, to kind of go with what you're saying, she came in with 90 minutes left. Right. If you know you're going to be struggling that hard, look at the end of that two-hour window, and then I think she just peaked too early. They pushed for that beginning of the of – right. the, they, they're like, winds are not, uh, 9 in the morning. We have to push everything out so that we're good to go at 9 instead of thinking, well, actually 11. 11's our window. Right. Let's push hard. Let's get everything out. Because to, to me, it looked like she had nothing left to give at that point. I agree. But if they would have spaced out whatever the process that they put her through, knowing that they had two extra hours for her to kind of slowly get it, maybe she wouldn't have been as de- depleted. And maybe they could have eked out a little bit more. But I don't know. I mean, I, like I it just feels like, like you're right. I mean, with, you know, with I 90 minutes left, yeah. they could have stretched out the process. And I don't want to pick on easier. her. I, and I know it sounds weird. It may sound like a little bit of a of an oxymoron, or a little bit of you know, like how can you say you're you're for fighter safety, but you're also saying you want them to wait until the end? But right. I don't know. There's just something about it that it that I always feel like. And, and, and I'm putting myself in the opponent's shoes. You know, yeah. it's like, wait a minute, you had another 90 minutes. Like, why didn't you wait to that 90 minutes? Why didn't you try the whole time? Right. You know, you had this. So I don't know. I to me, yeah. I feel like if you're gonna miss. That's just kind of a feeling I've always had. Yeah, and when you think of the terms of like, all right, you have 10 hours to lose 10 pounds. Right. Like, that's a pound an hour. Okay, I think we could do it. Instead of, all right, we have eight hours. Right. All right, now now we, we, we're already putting more. we gotta, we got to do harder. we got to go harder. Whereas just maybe just make it a little smarter. Do it a little bit easier, which maybe it would have been a little bit easier on her. But I don't know. She's had a problem with weight before. She's a big girl for that class, and that's why I think – I was strong with her as my pick because I knew as long as she comes back recovered, she's good. Like, so you felt okay even after you saw her on the scale. You, I did. I, I was, I was like, I'm, I'm confident that she'll oh, be see, all right I because both, I knew I her. I knew her skills. I, was like, oh. I knew her skills are going to be there because I think when I was looking at Botello, I was like, all right, she's a one-trick pony in my right. eyes. When I looked at some other footage, and I actually, this was one where I was like, I don't know anything about this girl. I was like, let me go look at a fight, and she it was all striking. And right. I, there was a girl that was like on her second or third fight that fought her and was able to take her down pretty easy. I was like, Cynthia's going to just drop her. You know, if she feels good, she's going to easily do it. And that was kind of what did it. So when I saw Cynthia, I was like, as long as she can recover and she looks decent going in, I'll feel pretty good. So once I saw her at the beginning of the fight and looking refreshed as much as you can from coming from near death, yeah. uh, 
I was like, okay, yeah, she's gonna get it. But Botello's she's, got good hands. But I know. I Cynthia's thought the, got I thought, good the, hands I thought too. the size was gonna be problematic, and that's why yeah. I picked Botello. Um, and then when Cynthia looked bad, you know, I thought, oh, okay, good, 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 because yeah. I thought it was a tough choice. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, but I, I, I was, you know, you, you got to play an underdog here and there, especially I yeah. got I got ground to make up, bro. It should be said, Cole Coffee with a month out, you know, a little bit of a know. month out, still leading the charge. I mean, even doing okay, even over, you know, the fight analyst Dan Tom, who we know. Puts in the he, he hours, puts man. He puts in the tape he study. Does. He's breaking it down. He makes me watch it. I pay a lot more attention now that we're getting closer. I pay a lot more attention just because I know that Dan's right there. I'm like, uh, all right, I got to see. I got to see what what would Dan be doing right now? What would Dan be doing? But you're right. There's just so many events. And now I'm just like, oh, I'm bound to have some bad weeks right. because I like you like to pick some underdogs. So yeah. like this coming one, and I'm sure we'll talk about. It, I went Naganu. Right. So. uh I like my underdogs as well, and you're right. Every once, it makes it a little bit funner when you you feel like, oh, I got that inside knowledge. I've seen this person. Right. I think they're gonna like. You might have known Botella had like killer, a killer right hand, and you know an uppercut. And you're like, oh, as long as she gets that, it's game over. You know, but it's weird too. I tell you it's what, it's fun. It's fun picking the underdogs too, because if you only go by the line and just like just pick the favorites, that's lame. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, granted, you our picks are going to go by the fan. Yeah. You know, you know, we're going to want to go with the the, right. the favorite, but. It just looks that much better when you pick that underdog you like, and you're right. You like, like to find the one. You like to find the opportunities. Like, yeah. Like I felt like I looked that way when I picked Lewis over uh, 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 Volkov yeah. on the 32nd. When, when in reality you were just When in homering. reality I was just homering. I was just like, I love Derek. I want Derek to win. I'm going to pick it. And when I won, I was like, that's right. That's I right. I was it. like, oh, I got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing I want to say about uh, Argentina real quick. And then there were some great uh, – uh, you know, we could spend more time. But I mean, Pantoja looked great on the prelims, no question about it. Uh, the 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 uh, fight of the night between Staropoli and Aldana was crazy. But the last thing I want to say was Michelle Prezeris, um looking like a beast at 170 again, and then saying he wants to go back to 155. I don't get it, man. Yeah, I don't get it. The dude can't make 155. And he looks like an absolute monster at 170. And the first thing he says is he wants to go back to 155. Yeah. He, he missed weight three times, four times. I mean, yeah. bro, let it go. There's let it go. That, there's something about that class. I think people just think that it's it's open for somebody to just kind of come in there and scoop it up, you know. So it's it's interesting. But yeah, man, he's such a big dude. He 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 does not as tiny as he is. He's huge. He's huge. He's literally a fire hydrant. Yeah, he he's you know he's like. Um, what was the the other tree trunk uh, uh, grappler as well? Paharis. Well, Paharis, like their builds. Oh yeah, are very. But I now Paharis now is an absolute ridiculous fucking ridiculous. He is like a giant elk tree. He's just like so thick. Like he is. I'm sure he's completely saying his athlete, prayers, saying athlete. his prayers, <laughs> taking his vitamins. He, like he is a beast. But this like Preserus reminds me of of that body frame, yeah. short and like. So thick and stocky, I agree. which you would think when they get in these fights, like they would gas out. But he's got a good gas tank on. That's very, very dangerous for for anybody going with him because it's just like super powerful. He would literally rip your arm off. Uh, there was a lot of MMA last weekend. I know probably a lot of people didn't get to watch a lot of it. I did want to just give a quick shout out to Invicta SC32. I, I, I was I was recapping that. But by the way, the LFA event was insane. There was some great. The highlights are out there. Pick that up. Uh, but the Invicta SC32 event, I thought Felicia Spencer and Mizuki Inoue were kind of the class. 
of that card. Uh, I think those two girls you definitely want to keep an eye on. Uh, so a lot of MMA last week, and then we got into this week, and of course we weren't traveling, we were home, but uh, you, you were you, you were busy. There's, there was still a lot going on this week. Um, but I got a, a cool opportunity, and that was I got to go to the USC Performance Institute and sit down with some of the executives there, uh, James Kimball, Forrest Griffin, and Duncan French. Um, sat down with the three of them and basically talked to them about the opening of this new performance institute in China. Now I had to, I had to hang on to the information, but the UFC was nice enough because those guys actually went to China for the announcement of it. Um, and so those guys talked about, uh, the opening of it and I had a chance to ask them a lot of questions and the press releases still come out, but I don't know. I thought people might enjoy the conversation because it's a little bit deeper and, and maybe get a little bit more understanding of the difference between the performance Institute in Las Vegas and the performance Institute in China. And, um, kind of, kind of, uh, kind of what this whole thing is about. So uh, I figured it would make sense to, while I did put out a video of everything, I know people might not have had a chance to watch that. So I even put some B-roll on it and everything, man. I, I did, I did. I, the whole thing, if, if you have seen the video on YouTube, just know that it was shot, produced, edited, interviewed, everything. Everything. By me, it was a one-man operation. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I thought people might like to hear the audio. So here is James Kimball, Forrest Griffin, Duncan French. I realize a multi-person conversation might not be the best for audio at times, but uh, their voices are all pretty unmistakable, so I think you'll you'll be able to pick them out. Who wants to break the big news? I mean, uh, big news that they're moving into China with performance institutes. I guess, give me, who can uh, give us yeah. the details on what's happening? Yeah, so exciting day for, for the UFC and the UFC Performance Institute in the sense that we are expanding our resources globally. Uh, it was part of our ambition from day one with the UFC Performance Institute to expand upon our resources and build a network of facilities globally, and the first of which will be located in Shanghai, China. Uh, we're looking to open the facility in Q2 2019. Uh, construction for the facility is currently underway. Why was China, you know, you said that you hope there's more of these eventually, I guess, but why was China the right place to start? Yeah, I mean, I, I think China and larger to that point, Asia, is pretty obviously a important destination for international expansion uh, for the UFC. And I think that it's quite evident that we see the vehicle for growth in terms of developing that region for the UFC and talent to be the UFC Performance Institute. You said talent development, so I guess give me an idea, because looking at the facility, it looks massive, and we know yeah. there's only a handful of fighters on the roster in right. China. I'm assuming, you know, Europeans and, and other Asians would, would enjoy coming there too, but um, I guess is there more to the facility than, than there is currently the one here in Vegas? Yeah, so the UFC Performance Institute in Shanghai will be three times the size of what it is in Las Vegas. Now in Las Vegas, we're 30,000 square foot center. In Shanghai, it'll be 90,000 square foot. And you're right to the point that we have currently 10 athletes on the UFC roster uh, from China. This facility, the ambition here is to develop talent. So we will be proactively recruiting talent from mainland China and the surrounding region to develop talent and get them to be UFC caliber athletes. So what would that entail? You, you look at other sports, other combat sports? I mean, how, how do you get other, other athletes and, and identify people? I mean, that's obviously that's one, you know, that's one area we want to look at, you know, Olympic training centers other combat sports that perhaps, if you think about it, are not going to make it to the Olympics or they've missed the Olympic cycle for, what, cycle for whatever reason. You know, you're really good at judo. I've seen that transfer a couple of times. <laughs> what, what about the, uh, I mean, the financial costs? I know this is a private company that doesn't typically share numbers, but I'm assuming there's a, a very big price tag attached here. Yeah, I mean, the capital investment for the facility itself is $13 million. And 
much like Las Vegas, will operate on a multi-million dollar annual operating budget. And a key important point to mention is the model, again, focused on talent development. Unlike in Las Vegas, where we do not have MMA-specific skill coaching and we don't really intervene when it comes to strategy and development of sports-specific skills in China, we will have a full MMA staff, which we're currently recruiting. So they'll work in conjunction with the full high-performance team like we have in Las Vegas, but in addition to, we'll have an MMA team to support them. Interesting. So technique coaches that are teaching jiu-jitsu, yeah. kickboxing, that sort of thing? Yeah. Obviously here, it doesn't work. Everybody's got their own camps. Everybody, you know, you can't coach athletes potentially fight each other. But if you're more of a skill development phase, we'll work with local gyms throughout China uh, to, you know, to help them get their athletes better. Interesting. So if a, if a person came through this program and then they, they made it to the UFC, let's say, I mean, the, the great thing happens. Be, that'd be the ultimate goal. Do they, at that point, are they still working with coaches in the Performance Institute? Or at that point, do you have to hand them off to somebody? They could still work out in the Performance Institute, but ideally they'd bring their own coaches in. Interesting. Well, this is a, a unique challenge, I guess. I mean, you've done a fantastic job here in Vegas. What is, what is this going to entail differently, you think, over there? Yeah, no, it's obviously hugely exciting for us all involved with the project. Um, you know, lot, lots of unknowns, but lots of excitement and upsides. And, you know, I think that there's a, a real clarity on the, the development piece, as we've talked about numerous times. And that um, that's really exciting for us. Obviously, it's quite a transitional um, crowd we get here in Vegas with current UFC fighters coming through the doors, experiencing some of our diagnostics or interacting with our expertise. But over there, we're going to really understand some of our systems and how effective they are because we'll have a cohort of residential fighters that we can work with day in day out and really understand um, as we implement different intervention strategies different methods of training different recovery strategies we can really start clarifying the value of that um, and then you know bring some of that information back to to the mothership here in Vegas so um, yeah it's, it's really exciting from that perspective and it sounds like I mean an aggressive opening plan uh, you know quarter two uh, how much are you guys going to be involved I mean is, is staff from here going to have to go over there and, and help establish how's that going to work yeah, we you know we we we're right now we're we're hard on with recruitment for for performance staff and MMA staff um, to to fit out and, and establish the the performance facility over there. The existing um, you know APAC region uh, UFC staff will be transitioning into office space in the same facility. Um, so yeah, recruitment is is hard on, and then obviously we'll based on the timeline for opening, um, we, we need to be around the facility as a you know we start fitting out the facility with equipment and um, operating procedures procedures and some of our processes and, and policies that we implement here in Vegas we want to try and mirror and replicate so yeah the, the, the guys here including some of our directors um, in the respective uh, technical areas as well will be making a few trips to, to Shanghai next year. This is a project that we've been working on the three of us and, and the company as it's grown since the beginning of this year so we're <clears throat> several months into this in terms of facility design again the facility's been designed for, for several months construction's underway we're very deep into the recruitment process, so it's not it's not something that we've we've just come up with and announced and opening in a few months. We've been working on this for nearly a year at this point. And yeah, it was hard to keep the secret. <laughs> <laughs> so you you asked me a question earlier. You know what what happens when fighters do graduate to the UFC? Let's say, I can't wait to have that problem. I mean, that's the ultimate goal, right? Is to get uh, you know athletes on the smaller shows in China currently, and you know give them much better training and you know, nutrition recovery, things that they don't have access to now. And, you know, see, see you know, help them allow, allow them to reach their full potential. 
how, how do, if an athlete is interested, I mean, I'm sure you guys are probably already looking at people and eyeballing people, but I mean, if somebody's interested, how do they contact you and say, consider me for this, please? Well, we'll go through gyms a lot. You know, chances are uh, you're either, like I said, in the Olympic training facility or in a local gym. So we'll go through gyms, do recruit, uh, recruitment from there. Yeah, that's an important note just to hit on is that um, when we're going into this this new market, we're doing so in conjunction to support the entire MMA community and that infrastructure right. in China. So we're, we're not looking to take athletes out of their existing gyms. We're looking to support those athletes in those gyms and their coaches. Um, and, and to your question around you know potentially cornering athletes when they get to the roster, again, we're, the, the goal is to develop athletes within our ecosystem but still support the local gyms and, and ultimately have those coaches stay with that athlete throughout their career. Now, is this just... Chinese athletes that you're recruiting? Are we talking about all Asia? Does this include, you know, the the, the Caucasus and Russia and Europe? I mean, right, who, right. Who, who, who will make up this facility? Yeah, look, an important part too is that this will be open to current UFC athletes. We're geographically appropriate to use this facility instead. It'll be entirely open to UFC athletes as it is currently in Las Vegas. Our primary focus will be athletes from mainland China, um, but we will be working with athletes in the surrounding regions throughout APAC. Are there any... Uh, little bells and whistles that you got to add here that you, that you learned from, from this one that you said, you know what, we really need. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been hugely exciting for all of our staff. We've, we've learned a lot um, in opening the facility here in Vegas. Uh, and essentially what we've been able to do is take the best bits plus our new innov you know, innovative pieces and, and drop them into Shanghai. So the, the Vegas staff are pretty envious of what we've created here or what we'll be creating in, in Shanghai. Um, a lot of the technology capabilities um, are, are integral to our, our operations and the way we go about performance services. So they'll be replicated and mirrored. And again, that's going to aggregate more data um, that we can put into our databases and continue to learn about the sport of MMA um, and, and peel back some of those layers to, to gain more understanding. But yeah, there, there's some new tweaks. Um, you know, we have an endless flow pool in terms of swimming capabilities in the facility. We've got a large indoor field turf area, um, which will, you know, we can talk about the, the competition structure and, and how we're going to um, essentially evaluate fighters moving forward. But yeah, the, there's lots of pieces in there, you know, that, that you see here in Vegas, but just on a larger grander scale. I, I think the most important difference though to be honest and look again to Duncan's point we're all pretty envious in what we're building in Shanghai it's three times the size <clears throat> is the difference in staff services. Again I, I, I don't think that this should be undervalued in a sense that this would be the first time an integrated MMA performance and high performance team will work together under one facility with one ambition. So a full MMA staffing um, structure working in, in conjunction with performance nutritionists, physical therapists, strength and conditioning coaches. It's never been done before in our sport and really in combat sports. So, I mean, I think that is the, the clear difference in model and approach that it's a, all said and done, we'll have a support team of nearly 20 um, staff working to develop these athletes. Is there anything you can liken that to? Because as you said, we've never seen this in MMA. I know when you guys built this place, you know, there were visits made all over the world to other training centers, teams, professional sports. I mean, is there anything like this in, in other sports that you could liken this to? I mean, Duncan, I'll defer to you, but I'd imagine yeah. Olympic training centers are probably the most um, applicable to what we're, we're building here. Yeah, very, very much so. I think that's the, the similar model that it, it reflects is, is the Olympic centers where, um, you know, the, the, the sports are employing technical coaches, but also have the finances and funding to, to, support, to employ support services as well. So, you know, some of those um, Olympic programs are funded through government and, um, you know, state funded programs. So often the finances are a little bit different here as a private company we can engage you know with quite a substantial investment in making sure that that's 
support team is is robust enough to accommodate the 30 to 50 residential fighters that we're looking to support on a day-to-day -day basis. Do you think you'd see fighters that aren't yet in MMA that are competing in other sports concurrently? Like maybe they're doing Taekwondo or maybe they're doing something. Is that what you think you'll end up seeing in here? I'd like to, yeah. Absolutely. Why not? Yeah, that talent transfer, again, is we'll have the capability. It's a talent pathway, right? So wherever they come from and, you know, with, with, with Forrest's leadership and the, the MMA coaches that will be uh, embedded in the facility, they're going to be able to evaluate um, people coming to the, to the, to the facility. And, um, you know, we'll have a valuation process as part of it. Um, we're looking to build out certain combine-type strategies uh, moving forwards. Um, so that we, again, we can roll that out on a grander scale um, globally, but that will be launched in conjunction with the uh, the Shanghai uh, facility as well. So there's many many pieces where we can pull athletes in talent transfer from other combat sports or other sports that can potentially fight. So that's interesting. Would that mean like using the the metrics that you already have and data and evaluating these people in a combine saying? you fit the mold of a UFC athlete based on your metrics here? Yeah, to some extent. It's only half the, it's only half the deal. Um, you know, the, the technical, tactical piece is essential, crucial. Um, but yeah, that's going to be a complementary piece for sure. Think about guys like OSP and Dominic Reyes, really good college football players. Eric Anders, yeah. Yeah, Eric Anders never really experienced the sport too much uh, before their 20s. And they were able to transfer and be, you know, all three of them relatively successful in a short amount of time. Uh, I think that'll happen more in China because, you know, the, the popularity of the sport, it's just now becoming accepted. You know, it, this is kind of, I see it as a jumping off point in China. It, it, it feels over there for MMA like it did here 2005 and six. Like, uh, and, and I think, you know, give us a couple of years, more exposure to the sport, there'll be more local gyms, more, more, more fighters, more good athletes will consider that a viable option. So as the sport grows in China, just like here where you're seeing wrestlers that are just, you know, maybe a step way uh, too far down to actually compete in the Olympics, so I'm going to do that, you know. So I guess, you know, you said under your leadership, so I mean, are you going to be pretty involved in, in this facility as well? I mean, I know the time change and the distance makes it tough, but I mean, are they kind of operating on an island out there or you guys feel no, like you're no, going to no. be operating yeah. with them? We, we, we definitely want to guide them and I've, I've been able to, to surround myself with a good team and set up some good training structures, um, you know, for every discipline and then putting them together. So it's a lot of what I've figured out actually, not even in my own career, but talking to athletes here the last year. Uh, it's funny, the sport changes quickly. So we, we want to make sure that the team we have over there uh, and the program and periodization that we put in place uh, fits, you know, today's modern athlete and is, you know, as robust and dynamic as the sport is today. Yeah, I mean, the, the team we're putting in place there will have, obviously, some autonomy in terms of day-to-day -day and week-to-week operations in that facility. Um, but, Duncan, I think to your earlier point, though, this is, we are recruiting to build upon the UFC Performance Institute and our resources and staff. And in several months' time, we'll have the UFCPI, we'll have a staff of 30-plus um, that are working with athletes now all, all over the world across multiple disciplines, and it will just fill into our larger ecosystem. That's awesome. I mean, this is huge stuff, huge news. Yeah. I mean, uh, not to overlook this, but... I mean, is, is this possible in other parts of the country, uh, other parts of the world, I should say, at, at some point as well? Yeah, I mean, a, a, as I said at the start, I mean, from, from I day one. from one in, like, every city. Now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I mean, fr from conception of Las Vegas, it was always our understanding and belief and ambition to have a global network of UFC performance institutes um, to support athletes currently on the roster, but I think more importantly, and as you're seeing in Shanghai, China, um, to develop talent. And through the model and philosophies and methodologies that we've built here and we're continuing to build. 
pretty cool. I mean, ultimately, an investment in the future of the sport. Yeah, exactly sure. that. Welcome back to the MMA Roadshow. That was the folks at the USC Performance Institute kind of laying down what's happening out there in Shanghai. I uh, should say, if you like what you're hearing, do us a favor. Hit us up on iTunes. Make sure you're uh, subscribed while you're while you're in there. Leave us a little review if you would. Give us a, give us a rating. Give us that five-star rating if you can. Give us a little review, a little feedback. We'll always, we're always up for that. You know, preferably positive, but, you know, leave whatever you want to say. In the meantime, uh, cool coffee, interesting discussion there, right? Uh I, I love what they're doing with the Forms Institute. I think this was good. Now, of course, there were some naysayers. You know, I definitely saw some people say, boy, that $13 million should, should could go a long way towards paying fighters. And that's that's true, man. There's definitely there's that's definitely a fair argument to say. And, you know, the percentage of revenue that goes to fi- fighters is never going to be, uh, you know, raised significantly until there's some kind of a fighters union and a collective bargaining agreement. I mean, yeah. that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, and hopefully, at some point, that these fighters will get together and they'll be able to negotiate their share of this revenue and that sort of thing. But I will say, man, I like the idea. I mean, this is not the UFC being, uh, you know, it's it's not charity. You know, I mean, they're they are. I I think this is going to significantly help the future of the sport in China and in Asia as a whole. But of course, they're not doing it for charitable reasons. I mean. By 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 getting you know the Chinese market on board, you know they're trying to do that Yao Ming strategy where, uh, you know, from my understanding and talking to to everybody that I have during my times over there in Asia and in China was, you know, Yao Ming became this big superstar in the NBA and all of a sudden China was NBA crazy and now right. you're talking about billions of dollars. So if they could get, you know, a, a Chinese UFC champion, now all of a sudden you've got boom big time money being sold and product and you know TV deals and all sorts of things like that. So it's not like they're just going out there like, hey, out of the good of our hearts. No, they're investing financially in their own future. Yep. But I do think that is financially, uh, a, a, I don't say a risky investment, but a, a big investment to make when there's absolutely no guarantee that you personally will benefit, but I think it will benefit the sport. So I, yeah. I'm, I'm anxious to see it. But it generated some really unique discussion as well. You know, the MMA Roadshow, or excuse me, the MMA Junkie Radio uh, does a daily debate and, you know, they did a daily debate question on where you think the third one should be, even though the second one's not open yet. Um, and it's intriguing because it really depends on what kind of uh, third performance institute you want. Now, I actually saw Arjan Bueller uh, s- responding on Twitter today to our daily debate question, say, it's got to be in India, bro. I mean, you got a huge market in India. And he's actually right. I mean, that, that would be a great place for it as well. You know, the markets we did on the daily debate question were Russia, Brazil, uh, Europe slash UK. Um, it's interesting, right? Because it, it, I think some people I'd were arguing. The UK would be a cool one. George on Inmate Junkie Radio was saying, I think, or, or somebody on Inmate Junkie Radio said, you know, maybe the East Coast would be a better place. So to have more of a, a Las Vegas type PI where it's just for those East Coast fighters. But I, I, to be honest with you, I like this idea of developing markets, man, of taking non UFC fighters, of finding people in other sports. Um, and, and exposing them to MMA and get I like that concept for the PI more. Not to I mean I love what the PI is doing here in Vegas. I love what they're doing here in Vegas. I think it's a great facility, but I don't think 
they need to build more of these type facilities around yeah. the world. I think they need to build more of these Shanghai ones yeah. where it's like, dude, we're just going to keep pumping out. You know, we're yeah, going to make MMA factories. Yeah, I was going to say, it's more like a gym. It's more like, I mean, the fact that you can go to these things for actual instruction, which is different than what it is at the UFCPI. I like the idea here where people come and they're meeting with uh, – I, I call them leaders in the field of what they are right. when it comes to like them rehabilitating themselves. The guys are coming here to get better, to heal their bodies. But the fact if you go to a place like this and they're trying to install instructors and they're trying to build something, then it just feels like what UFC, what the UFC gym is, right. you know, where it's got our name, it's got our thing, but oh yeah, but we're hoping that people will come in, get better, get fit. You know, and build whatever, you know. I don't know. But I think $13 million, uh, when I heard that number, and I know people, some people are saying that's a lot, I don't think that's that's not the only money that's going to build this thing. For they're building some of there, I guarantee that uh, the Chinese government's probably got their hands in it and maybe helped bolstering it as well. I mean, when you think $13 million, and especially at the size of this facility and what it's going to take on the gear, Three sounds times low. the size. Sounds, sounds very low for me. I mean, I can see them putting thirteen million in what the PI here, you know, yeah. just in the sheer what the the equipment and some of the stuff. So it I actually, I actually heard that it's that that one's cheaper. The which one? Ch- China. The China one's yeah. cheaper. Yeah, I mean, even like, though it's only third of the that's size. That's what I was gonna say. Like thirteen million sounds very very low to me. I mean, so I I would think that there that's not the only stake in this facility, which you know I you know just like when yeah. you go to Brazil, you know the government's involved in the events. You know I'm sure for the UFC to go and do something. I'm sure. At the very least, maybe they said, you know, we've got this piece of property here that you can have for like five bucks. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, we're not or giving you, you know what I mean? Because well, they're not the giving, oh, something like, then, then they're not actually handing the UFC any yeah. cash, but they can say, you know, we've got this really good deal on real estate. Yeah. You know? And you're going to need steel and things to right. build the stuff. I mean, like, these are huge endeavors. So, I mean, the money's going to be good for them as well. You I hadn't know, thought about that. You're right about that. Because there's a lot of ways for the Chinese government. To help right. without officially helping and giving money. Right. I mean, because I would just think that everything you've heard. I mean, we go there and you can't get on fucking Facebook. You can't get on whatever. It's like crazy. they have their hands in everything over there. I mean, and to think that, you know, this is just the UFC is like, oh, this is a great piece of land that we're going to come in here and we're just going to build it and it's going to be great, you know. But we're solely doing this on our own with no input from the government or anything. And like that shit's not happening. You know what? I'm sure there's some some involvement. But when I look at this thing, I, I think it's great. I like how they're going to deal with. Uh, you know, the upcoming talent and things of that sort. But that when I started reading that they were going to hire and try to find the best trainers, you know, I, mean, mm-hmm. I think that's great for a trainer or somebody that is looking for that particular opportunity. But then you're like, okay, now you're creating something that's going to compete with the gyms that fe- already are feeding your things, you know. Well, that's what's going to have to be careful because – and, and they did say, like, listen, once that happens, we'll kind of step out of the way – but it is weird, right? Like you got to be how, careful. How you step can't, out of the way. You know, once you build you, it well, up, you hope you know. they. Sh- you know, you, you're not building a team there. Right. You're building fighters that you hope would funnel to a team. But in a sense, you're building a team there, right? They, I mean, like, I mean, if they build a guy and he's like incredible, it's not like they're going to wait for him to have to go to another gym before they sign him. So that would True. eventually we're going to have the first UFC trained and signed fighter that's came up through the UFC. Uh, whatever farm regime, system farm basically system, yeah which in a sense is kind of what they're building if this is the start of like 
creating their own farm system. It is interesting you know? because then imagine if they're like, all right, hey, you want to come work out at these gyms? I know you can't afford it right now. How about you already sort of sign this thing, this contract? We're going to be help. You're, we're going to cover your your gym costs, but that well, they're doing that already. You know, right? But then, but to think of like these guys that normally would come from another gym, their contracts they'd be more pushing for this, 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 where it's like. How about we give you a little advance? We're going to bring you into the gym, yada, 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 you know, for favorable contracts. It's going to be interesting to see how they manage it. It is, it is going to be interesting because, I, in my opinion, you know, on initial hearing, I thought, listen, they'll have no problem developing this talent and then giving them to, you know, China top team or whoever it is. But you're right. What if somebody just says – You'd be installed what if in somebody says, if they did that. I like, I like, I like here. I like you guys. Yeah. I want to stay here because you, you, I mean, you can't – it's not like those coaches can go corner in the UFC. Like right. you can't do that. Like there's no way that would just not look good at all. Who knows? We've never had to have that opportunity because right. if they're independent contractors, which all these fighters supposedly are, how can you stop them? Yeah, you can't do that. You unless can't have the UFC gym staff show up to a unless you're a salaried UFC staff. You know, I mean, like if they're independent contractor, who knows? It's interesting. Who knows? But we'll have to see how they manage it. Yeah, it's crazy, but it's, it's exciting that you know. I mean, I love that they're trying to tap into that market. I mean, it, why not? I mean, that market makes so much sense. I mean, Brazil mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. The UK makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's all these people that are just like kick-ass amateurs waiting to take that next step, and those that are even fighting professionally that we just don't know about. Yep. So, I think the more feelers out there, the better. I like know? Arjan Bueller's idea of putting one in India. I think I think Dana White told uh, Brett Okamoto that Mexico was probably going to have one at some point, which not a bad idea either. There, a lot of boxers, you know, that maybe you could yeah. could get into. Arjun points out that there's wrestlers and boxers in India. I said Russia. Um, because you know, there's a lot of people on kind of a, but there's, I mean, there's already so many opportunities. They're just on lower levels. Maybe, maybe yeah. Russia doesn't need it. Brazil, man, just giving giving those Brazilian athletes access to like top level nutrition and stuff, man. They, I mean, yeah. that's one of the biggest things with Brazil is like yeah. the nutrition uh, options. It's like nothing, you know. I remember fuck, the first time we met John Lineker in Macau, and like he's eating pizza in the food court on fight week. It's like the fuck yeah. is going on here, like you yeah. know. Interesting, but yeah, it's funny you bring up Russia. I immediately started thinking like the Ivan Drago gyms and everything. Like, That's I'm, why I was like, maybe like, they don't need one. They probably already got some stuff like, over there. What like, is this performance <laughs> institute? Like, oh, they're like, see bro, that ghetto ass place they yeah, got down there that the UFC opened. We've had this shit forever, son. <laughs> so, but it's, it's interesting. But yeah, there could be some uh, unique. Spe- I would love to see. Yeah, I think India's a good one. But yeah, I mean, um, Putin just tours the PI in Russia, and he's like, cute. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this is like my private Cute. gym. Like, this is funny. But oh man, uh, you know what's funny? Uh, I I I bummed. You know, the USC is in Russia this week, and I mean China this week, and we'll talk about that real quick. I am bummed that I'm not in China. I will say I was there for last Thanksgiving. Uh, and as crazy yeah, as it over too there, too bad you had to spend it with your family. And yeah, everything. Well, I, I know that sucks to say that. Like <laughs> I, I'm, it's one of those weird things. Like I'm happy to be at home. I'm spending more time with my son. My son. He just started working out at Syndicate now. He loves – Oh, he switched gyms? He's doing both. <laughs> so oh, He's really? doing both. I think he it's loves, like, oh, he switched gym? Like he was like, oh, yeah, you know, the quality recruited, of co- yeah. the quality of coaching at Syndicate, my striking is so much better at my, Syndicate. My kid loves <laughs> – he wants to do gi jiu-jitsu every day. Like he loves gi jiu-jitsu. And Extreme Couture only offers it on Tuesday and Thursday. Uh-huh. And Syndicate offers every day. But I don't want to leave Extreme Couture. Like I love the people over so there. you get Roxy to teach him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Roxy That's taught awesome. him. Yeah, Roxy taught him like the last week. 
So he does. She's mo- so good with the kids. He does there. Monday, Wednesday, Friday at uh, Syndicate, and Tuesday, Thursday at uh, at Extreme Tour. He's just starting it out, so he's doing gi every day, That's and he awesome. just he loves it. Yeah, Roxanne Motifari, by the way, if you don't know who Roxy is. Uh, she is phenomenal with the kids. So she's she she's taught my son for the last week. He just started doing it a week ago. But yeah. yeah, so she's it been, is great she's been to doing be doing home. the kids' jujitsu and oh. just jujitsu for forever. Yeah. And I, every picture I see, she's always so proud of her kids. And every picture I see of like the kids in her, they absolutely look like they love and she's adore phenomenal. her. So I finally got to see her in action. Awesome. She's phenomenal. But yeah, so it's been great to spend a lot of time with my son this week yeah. and my wife and everything's been great. <laughs> but I will say China it was just so interesting. And what what I'm seeing this week is I'm looking on social media. And seeing all the all the people going out and visiting the Great Wall, uh, yeah, you know cool. what I mean. So I, I think that would have been really cool. That's a, that's that a, that's cool. like a bucket list type thing yeah. at some point. So that's true. Uh, point long flight over there. You know what we were talking earlier you about? Probably flights. run the risk. Well, no, not with your thinning. Our thinning. Our oh, proven sir. thinning mecha- proven mechanism. MMA Roadshow <laughs> thinning method. Uh, you would not develop blood clots. <laughs> Ricardo Lamas, give us a holler. We'll help you out. <laughs> Uh, but no, you know what's funny? Talking about UFC flights, it just and I've, I think I've told this before, but I, I flew one time from Stockholm, Sweden to Amsterdam next to Stefan Struve in coach. <laughs> I remember he's so that. phenomenal, dude. Like he was literally just like he was across the aisle from me. Like we were both on aisle seats. And, and homeboy has got his legs up like a praying mantis, dude. Just the feet on the on the on the. And he's not being rude. There's just literally no. I mean, yeah. he, they just don't go straight. You know yeah. what I mean? So he's got the feet just basically up on the armrest in the back. But he's making sure he's a polite guy. So he's making sure not to you know protrude into the yeah, seat yeah. in front of him. So he's just got his toes delicately balanced on the on the armrest in front of him, and his feet just doubled up over by his wow. head like a praying mantis. I would think you'd have to, like, if I was him, you try to, like, sit towards the side and just have to live with your legs out in the, in the like, aisle. Like, sorry, ma'am, you're going to have to step over these. And, ju- and just, yeah, and just hope that the cart comes down and stops. <laughs> <laughs> Speed Those bump. carts look dangerous, yes. Oh, man. All right, so talking about China, I, interesting. Uh, by the way, our European friends, I was actually talking to Simon Head. He's stoked because this fight for him is going to start at, like, a normal time during the day. Oh. We are not. So check this out. This is our content strategy plan. Uh, for this weekend, uh, I was I actually wrote the the schedule for our team. Uh, so oh, yeah, what what we're doing is e- e- Eastern. Yeah, so check this out. What we're doing is we're we're dividing into teams. So me and Simon are gonna do uh, Simon Simano, I should say, are gonna do the prelims, and then Matt Erickson, Mike Bond, and Fernando Prochis are gonna do the main card. That way, uh, they're starting at 6:30 a.m. Eastern, and we're working from like three to. We're starting at like midnight, midnight. Pacific, yeah. So thought that was thought that was pretty smart of myself, huh? Yeah, we're that's... dividing it up into shifts. The West Coast team is working the prelims because it starts at midnight. Yeah. The East Coast team is working the main card because it starts at six thirty a.m. Thought that was pretty brilliant on my part. That's not too bad. You that's seem, not too bad. You I'm seem unimpressed. No, I was just looking to see what my schedule. But no, I, it makes sense. And I, what I like too is the fact that it's not just. We've, I felt like we've been so thin lately oh. that it's like four people and that's just all day. And this is like, I'm like, what happened to the rest of our staff? Like, why are people off on like oh, an event it's day? It's tough, man. Which is tough because, you know, you want people to be able to have days off. And when you have like an event every week, it's just going to happen. You have people off, you know. In a perfect world, you would have all hands on deck ready to go when it's. Everybody's sneaking in vacations you know, and yeah. holidays and all that. Well, that's, it's end of the year. I put in that request the last yeah. one. Like, I didn't even think about it. You know, you just work, 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 and whatever. And then I realized, I was like, wow, I've only taken, like, 
four vacation days all all year long. You know, and I'm just like when you work as little as you do, it doesn't really matter. Right? I know, right? Kinda... I'm just like kicking it, like <laughs> what's up? But then I was like, dude, I got to use these things. I mean, like, what's the I point know. of having vacation days if you don't? Got to take them. You, sometimes you just got to force yourself, and you that's kind of what them. I'm doing. I'm just like. I have no plans to go anywhere. Like, I have no money to go anywhere. I'm just like, whatever. I'm just... Staycation. Staycation. Got to do it. I'm just fucking... I'm going to go work on the drums a little bit. You know, I thought about, you know, I have a mandolin. Maybe I'll pick up the mandolin. I want to get a guitar. I think... I was listening to something the other day. I was like, I think I could do that singer-songwriter thing. Listen to this voice, folks. When you hear this voice, you just think, like, Chris Stapleton, like, (laughs) singer-songwriter. John, John's over here. Not he's not Why he's not he's not feeling it. He's not feeling it. Is this the JMO talking? The JMO is talking. By the way, we switched over. It is Thanksgiving, so we We've switched won, over from won. the frosty we had, we beverages. We had the last little bit of a bottle. So. To a little bit of a little bit of an Irish whiskey. Yeah, you know, it's not it's no proper twelve. It's no proper twelve. But uh, there there is a person that I heard was going to drink a little proper twelve that made me want to try it. And that's uh, Miss Becky Lynch. Did you see her tweet about Connor Connor McGregor? Does she break his arm or something? Yeah, but when I read, I think she said something. She sort of miswrote. When uh, when you read it, it's like, oh, if we get close, you know, I have to break his arm um, because I think uh, she meant to say it'd be too tempting right. not to. Oh, I'd be too tempting. But she was like, I'd be too tempting. I'm like, oh, are you trying to say like you think Connor's gonna grab your ass or something? I'm like, <laughs> I feel it. I feel it both ways. It was like, supposed to be, it would be too tempting. Yeah. So I was like, I think she. I think she kind of miswrote that but uh but she talked about you know having some proper 12 or whatever and i was like oh you know i do need to give it a a try i'm still i'm still pretty sure i've not tried it yet still have yet to do it yeah have you had it nah no i haven't either and like you know there was such a big craze about it when it started you know and you heard people say that it was good some people said um they're not quite sure but then i heard some other people that i know are whiskey people and they're like it's not bad so i'm like okay if that if that's the case you know i'll give it a go i mean I'll always be, you know, a Jameson. I yeah. love Jameson, you know. So Jameson. I'm not one of these guys that's going to be like, oh, you tell me to say fuck the Jameson, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm like, that's not going to happen here. But I will give a, I will give proper uh, a go one of these days, preferably not uh, on a fight week at one of the local bars that is selling it for like $12 a shot. Yeah, I mean, the bottles itself, like only 25 bucks. Like, I'm like, people, you guys understand that? You c- Let me take you to a store and we'll get you a bottle. It's on special right now for $12 a shot. Like, like <laughs> special for the bar. Special. I'm like, You're wow. special if you pay for it. Yeah, that's crazy. But I do want to give it a go. But uh, that's, so yes, we're switching up a little bit. We are running a little bit low on the uh, frosty beverages. Frosty beverages. So we uh, augmented it with a, a special Thanksgiving libation <laughs> of Jameson and ginger. And we are thankful. <laughs> that is flowing freely through your bloodstream right now. No blood clots for you. No blood clots right now. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this China card real quick. Uh, Curtis Blades versus Francis Nagano in the main event. Um, man, crazy, right? How how things change. I mean, we were there the first time these, these two guys came together. Yeah. Both were very, very raw at that time. Um, you know, Curtis Blades, I, I was high on Curtis Blades at that time. And not that oh, I not, you smoking that blades. <laughs> not that I wasn't you were high blazing on the, the blades. <laughs> not that I wasn't high on Nagano too, but I, I I thought Blades was was the more, you know, total package. But you know, he got he got sliced up a little bit there and, and, and his eye was shut and he had to cut and so Nagano won that one. But um right now, man, it feels like all the momentum is with Curtis Blades. Francis Nagano uh is in desperate need of a win here, I think. And yeah. the USC's putting him in a tough spot. Yeah. Um Listen, my my staff picks. I went with Blades. I, I I think the fight makes sense right now. I don't think there's a lot of other fights that make a lot of sense. No, I, I, saw, I saw some people saying, you know, how could the UFC do this thing, Dinganu? But 
bro, once you've been up there at the top, you got to keep fighting the top. You, you don't get to top. just you don't get to just go regress and take on some dude from yeah. you know contender series. Only only the champs get to cherry pick. That's right. <laughs> like if you're if you're caught in the mix, you, you're who you're fighting whoever's right there. And you're right. I mean, this is what number two, number three, number two, and number four. If you're going by the UFC's ranking, I think we have them. I think we have like four and seven, maybe something I like that. They're 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 not as close in our rankings as for that one, but. It makes a lot of sense, and I mean, it's funny when I was thinking about that. So, were you high on uh, Blades at the time because everybody was selling him on his wrestling at that time when they were coming? I think everybody yeah, was like, I'd you know, seen him come like, up on the regional stage. Wrestling. Yeah, I had seen him come up on the regional stage yeah. a little bit, and I, and I thought that he was good, but um, yeah, he basically says his wrestling was garbage at that point. And it, when you look, go back and look, and this is partially why uh, I went back to Francis on this one, and and we explain later. Uh, but when I looked on his wrestling, when I looked that night. Francis was shutting down his his takedown True. attempts, and I was like, he doesn't look like a wrestler at all. Or he, he looked like a guy that was good against a heavyweight like me. Right. Like I would be able to pose no defense, and you would look like an absolute Olympic right. god. And he didn't you know, know but he had no idea how to set anything up. He had yeah. no idea how to how to flow the the game together. Man, everything right. was very like stiff transition. It wasn't flowing at yeah. that point. That's for sure. And, and he's definitely has stepped up now. He, he is flowing a lot more. He is dangerous. Uh, he did take one hell of a punch. I mean, like he was taking Francis' punch before the eventual stoppage, and he's probably. Outside. He was in trouble. To say that, like, you know, because it was stopped on, on a doctor stoppage. Yeah. And he could have continued. He, he could have continued, continued. But he was but getting the, hurt from yeah, time I, to time. It was, I, it was I think if you, if you don't remember that fight, remember, it was not yeah. a freak accident. It was not like one of those things yeah. like, oh, I can't believe this got stopped. Yeah. You yeah. know, it was like, all right. Yeah, he was taking damage, and, and it was coming on quick. Like, his yeah. face started really, really showing it uh, really quickly after some of these yeah. shots were happening. But when I went back and I watched, I was like, man, I think he, outside of like Stipe, which I guess d didn't take much damage, but he did take a shot. And Stipe even said that, holy shit, that shot of his was crazy. That, uh, you know, he's worn the punches better than a lot of people. Curtis took those punches better yeah. than a lot of people. Yeah. And I'd the fact agree. that his game has improved really weighs and benefits in his factor. I still think with Francis, what happened against Derek, where there was just too much respect and there was too much fear yes. of coming in. Because I think if there's a person in the heavyweight that hits, uh, if you're looking at the, you know, a handful of guys of who is the strongest punchers, Francis and Derek are in the top three, in my opinion. Um, so I think both these guys were a little gun shy. But the thing about with with Francis and Curtis, they fought. So one, there's no there's no question marks in his head of the power. He's going to remember what the power felt like. And I feel like we're not going to get the same Francis that was gun-shy and just kind of shell-shocked. I would agree. So I'm hoping he comes back out this there and This could be the, the re-coming-out party, so to speak. And that's the thing. And, and, people, and, and it'll get erased the whole shit that we've seen in the last two fights where people might say, okay, he should still oh, be yeah. at the top. Because I think most people right now are like, why, he, why he, is he still – If he has one spectacular highlight finish again, people right. are going to go – all right. Yep. You know what I mean? Like He's back at the top. He got rushed to the title shot, right. and just as you explained it, and then there was a mental kind of lapse in that right. next one, and now he's Because back. when you look at you, there's people that are legit saying that Blade should have been getting a title shot and he should not take any other fight except for that. What are those people going to say if Francis goes in and gets a, a starch and just, just destroys him? Yep. They can't just say, oh, well, Francis – he shouldn't be, you know, because, you know, look at those last two fights. Yeah, but they just look what he just did to yep. the guy that you're saying should have had the title shot. And if a guy can do something like that. So this is definitely, I think, one of those fights that I, I'm thinking he's going to show back up. And 
another reason I leaned toward it because when I went back and looked and I saw how bad uh, the wrestling was for Curtis at the time, it has improved. But I don't think he's the best wrestler when it comes to heavyweights. I mean, there's there's a Daniel Cormier level, and then there's a Curtis Blades level, yeah. and there's there's a big difference between that two different types of, of wrestling. So I think it's going to come down to those strikes. But again, you know, if Francis shows up and does the power, I'm completely confident he's going to do enough. But if he's gun shy, Curtis and his confidence level and how much his game has improved, because it's not the same. It's not going to be exactly how that last fight was. I'm looking for Francis to have improvements in his mm -hmm. game. You know, I know he's been working to try to defend the takedown because people uh, have questioned uh, and criticized him so much. If, but when I look back and say, oh, he was able to stop his takedowns at the same time, you know, in that first fight, mm -hmm. he should be able to if they progressed at the same level. If his defense has progressed at the same level as Curtis's uh, wrestling has improved or his flow, how he's setting up, it should cancel itself out. And I'm thinking we're going to get the same results as the first one because you can't look at what Stipe did. You can't look at what, you know, like, uh, well, Derek, that fight, nothing happened in that particular fight. But Not I mean, a lot to break down there. You know, I don't know. I, I just feel that Francis still, you know, I'm thinking he's going to come back and he's going he's gonna to bring the power. And I think the work he's done on his wrestling, hopefully, and I like the fact that we haven't seen him. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen anything. So now there's that that question mark. And I just, in my head, I'm like, he's got to be grinding. I think he was shamed. I think the UFC kind of threw him under the bus. And, and uh, Dana was just so cold with his treatment of him after the fact that I'm hoping or thinking that Francis just took that as fuel and just is in the gym just absolutely beasting out. And the fact I haven't seen anything to prove differently that's what I'm expecting to come in. You know, we've seen Curtis. We've seen the grind that Curtis is. I, I'm not – I know what we're going to get from him, you know. So it should be interesting to see, you know, them come in and, and do this. But that's why I went with Francis. But that's one that – I'm surprised that I think out of our staff picks, me and maybe one other, I think, so far have chosen Francis. It's it's pretty heavy, I, Curtis. I'll tell you what's funny. I just I just know – I'm look, so I'm looking at our event page on MMA Junkie, and uh, the, the pictures that we have – for Curtis Blades and Francis Nagano. Now we got ton we've got a ton of them in the back end, obviously. Yeah. And they're from that fight. They're from that fight. Yeah, I'm looking, I see Rothwell versus yeah. Santos. They're from That's that Zagreb, fight. Zagreb, Croatia. Zagreb, Croatia. That was a hell of a trip. That, that was, was a fun trip. That man. was, that was that. when we actually stayed back for a couple yeah, of days. That or. was a, that was a pretty cool, pretty cool location. But yeah, that picture That's <laughs> his funny. hair hasn't been that long in a while. It's been a while. That's what made me look at it. What if he grows his hair out for this? If he grows his hair out for this again, he's like Samson Strig back. Great. All right. Uh, you know, I listen. I, I think this is a relevant main event. I understand that a lot of people aren't going to wake up to watch it live, and that's fine. It's on Fight Pass. Pick it up uh, on the replay. But I do think it is a very, very relevant main event that's worth watching. Uh, another kind of crossroads fight to me is Alistair Overeem versus Sergey Pavlovich. And I should say, by the way, I picked Curtis Blades. I, I actually had. I thought you broke it down perfectly. And since you're leading the pack in the picks, there's no, <laughs> there's no reason for me to offer my analysis. But I had the exact but you same thoughts. In the short but uh, yeah, I had the exact same thoughts you did in that I kind of wanted to pull the trigger on Francis Nagano because I feel like he has the ability to win this fight again. You know, it's just he's got to he's just got to go get over that mental hurdle. Yeah. And I feel like the momentum is with Blades. So I went with Blades. I, I do feel like Blades is the right pick if because I'm one of those people that doesn't like to bet a whole lot on on what if. 
You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know what you're getting with him. Exactly. Yeah. You know what you're getting. That's true. And I feel like the question marks around Nagano. But if Nagano answers those question marks, if he's able, then you're absolutely right. He can win the fight. So I feel like this is a crossroads fight for both these guys. And I feel like the co-main is a big crossroads fight as well. Alistair Overeem versus Sergey Pavlovich, who's coming yeah. over from Fight Nights Global. Um, Sergey uh, was the Fight Nights Global heavyweight champion. He is still uh, he's he's raw, man. He has not fought a fighter on the level of Alistair Overeem. He is undefeated. Uh, he definitely does have talent. Uh, he's you know come up in this Russian system, obviously, but he's fighting an absolute veteran in Alistair Overeem, and I have the hardest time picking Alistair Overeem fights. I really do, to be honest with you. Yeah. I just when he's on, he's on, and when he's not. He looks like he's washed up, and then all of a sudden he comes back, and you're like, well, of course Alistair won that fight. He's Alistair Overeem. He's the guy that's been doing it forever. He's the guy that's yeah. you know, accomplished all these things. And I actually I went with Sergey here, and I feel like I was basically fading Alistair Overeem, but it's so hard because yeah. Alistair, when he shows up, you just go, well, how the hell did I pick against him? I mean, look at yeah. him. What was I thinking? That's it. That's that's exactly it. And I and, and that's uh, I as well went that route. And I think in my mind, and, and you're right, it just felt like am I, are we seeing a diminished or a fading over him to use to use your phrase? Uh, just because I mean, you look at his last ones. I mean, he, he lost to Francis in that vicious uppercut, Oof. you know, in the first round that I don't think anybody could ever forget. And then he lost to Curtis by elbows. So, you mm-hmm. know, he's coming off, so you know he has. He needs a win. I mean, he wants to win. Nobody wants to get in there and get that dreaded third strike, but it's not like, you know, he's on the same level as a lot of these other cats. Yeah, he ain't going anywhere. <laughs> you know, he'll, like he'll, he's, he'll fight he's in the UFC staple. as long as they want yeah. him. You know? But then you go back and you look and you see, you know, his last win before the losses against Fabrizio Verdum. You know, before that, Mark Hunt. You know, before that, of course, he lost to the champ. He lost to Stipe. But these are top-level guys. He's fighting at such a Beast. level. But you're right. I mean, it it depends. I mean, if we see the overaim that has always just been such a beast shows up, and yeah, and this is a guy that's coming in, and maybe he's gonna feel, uh, you know, uh, he's gonna feel confident that he's like, all right, this is the guy that's making his debut. You know, I'm the proven guy. I'm the guy that's gonna go in there. So maybe he's gonna go in there with that confidence that you need that he's gonna throw the hands that, you know, with guys this big, it just takes that one shot to finish mm-hmm. it. And if he's got the confidence to go in there and start throwing. Instead of going in there and being a little bit gun shy, and possibly take a shot that you know sort of wobbles him and then it gets finished, you know. But for me, I just went. I went with the fact that I don't think we're seeing uh, an overing that's fighting at his best right now. Right. You know, and I think if if he was coming in on even just a, a win or even coming in on two wins, I probably would have taken him over a guy making his debut. But like you said, this guy is a champion in another organization. That organization has done some pretty yes. intense stuff. They you know, have. I mean, I, I love watching the shows, you know, when you can catch them. Um, so I don't think this is a, a – this is not a, a fluff guy that's no, coming out to of me, a, an it's organization. It's a crossroads fight, man. You know, I mean, not to mention Alistair's got the longer travel. I mean, it's not yeah. you know, not, it is significantly longer because he, yeah. he trains over here. So um, I don't know, but you know, he's been training uh, with Curtis Blades at, at, at Elevation, not just Elevation Fight Team, but yeah. at, actually at Elevation. So I don't know. I'm I'm in, I, I'm really intrigued by the main and co-main of this. I I do yeah. believe. 
the main and, and co-main are, are meaningful fights. Uh, Song Yudong, of course, I always like to throw Yudong jokes out whenever you can. <laughs> Yudong yeah. say. Big fan of Yudong. Everybody, everybody likes everybody the Yudong likes jokes. Yudong. Uh, but he's a young guy that a lot of people believe has legit potential, so this could be a showcase for him. Li Jingling. Uh, I'm a big Leech yeah. fan. I really am. Like I just I love his fighting style. I love his personality. He spent a lot of time out here in Vegas. Yeah. Unfortunately, he didn't have a really good translator with him, so we were never able to to get an interview with him um, to, to get everything set up because he actually spent a lot of time out here with the performances too. We ran into him a couple times. I actually saw him at uh, Extreme Couture one night as well because obviously a lot of people when they're in town, they'll kick it over at Syndicate or Extreme Couture because they're both real close to the Performance Institute as well. Um, so I, I think the main card could be fun. I'll, I'll be watching that um, essentially as a fan because I'm just going to work the prelims. I'm, I might end up just falling asleep, to be honest with you. I'm not going to lie, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, we'll see how I'm feeling at that point in time. Uh, the prelims, just a couple things I want to point out in the prelims. Um, uh, Rashad Coulter, is, and I had kind of forgotten about this. Um, that fight's at 205. I saw him on Instagram today. Obviously, I'm always following the Dallas boys. He's a Fortis MMA guy. But, dude, he, he looks, fights normally heavyweight, right? Heavyweight. He looks like a he looks like a new man at two hundred five. Really? Looks like a completely because he wasn't dude. the biggest heavyweight, but he was a big he's a he big, was boy. big dude. But he wasn't yeah he wasn't a two seventy yeah. guy or something like that. He's hanging out with all those light heavies. That's over it. There. So I I was I was impressed by seeing him on Instagram this week, and uh, he's fighting Hu Yazong, who um, I, you know is a Chinese guy that also had fought at heavyweight as well, but was another guy that was not bad boy, not a legit heavyweight to be honest. With you. Not not a UFC caliber heavyweight, I should say. So um, I'm anxious to see that at at, uh, at light heavyweight. You don't say. <laughs> I'm anxious to see that one. Uh, Jessica Aguilar versus Wiley Zhang. There, of course, a couple of uh, top level female talents. Uh, Kevin Holland against John Phillips. I'm anxious to see that fight. I like Kevin Holland, man. The 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 big mouth, if you want to call him that, man. I like him. Uh, you know, he had that great fight with uh, Maheta in August. Uh, you know, kind of shocking the world there. He lost the fight, but he came in and fought well, fighting against John Phillips. I think that could be a, a fun, fun fight early on the card. And uh, Lewis Smoka, man, happy to see Lewis Smoka back in action. And good for him, man. I think he's been sober this this entire year. Um, good for him, dude. Something you can't say. Absolutely not. I did go two days without drinking early well this done. week. So well done, I'm bro. trying to do a little less. Baby steps. Baby steps. Baby steps. I, I need to drop a few LBs. I admit it. I, I gotta I gotta take things elbows? more serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got I gotta drop a few, man. I You I, and me both. So uh but yeah, Lewis Smoking, man. He's uh been clean and sober for like eleven months, that's so that's pretty shit. awesome. He's so. all, he's always he always brings it. He's fun. He's not gonna be one that anybody ever says, Oh man, remember that was another boring smoker fight. Nah, he's good. Not so, from his side of the fight. Happy to see him back. So that's what's going on in China. We'll have it covered. Uh we don't have anybody on site, unfortunately. We do have a photographer on site. Um so we you will have say. we will have <laughs> See, that's not even the kind of yadong jokes I like dropping, but they're they're pretty well played though. I'm pretty <laughs> I'm, I'm more about, you know, yadong uh, looks stiff. Yadong yeah. looks tiny, yadong looks big, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yadong you, is shrinking away from yeah, the competition. You're you're a little more clever, you know, yeah. like you know. Careful with yadong in the clinch. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. But you're a little more highbrow than me. Yeah, you know, mine. I'd be able to monetize with that on uh, on Twitter. You there's would no, be able to. You could sneak that by. All right. So listen. <laughs> uh, should just say the reason we're dividing up into shifts, by the way, on Saturday is because we have to come back and work that night. Uh, yeah. uh, because Liddell Ortiz is that night. Uh, we're getting close now. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I will be buying it on Fight TV. I will be buying it tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. Is that for sure happening? Yes. The discount. It's, it, there's, it's, it's Friday. So it's so crazy yeah. that it's, it's like twenty bucks. They put that out there, so it's like. 
why would anybody buy before that? If you know for sure it's going to happen. Like, even right now, they're it's, like, come on, suckers. It's like it's $40 right now. Come it's on, like failing a fight night drug test. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, bro, they told you. That you knew it was You're coming. Too, you know you what I mean? It was coming. It's an IQ test. But you got to figure, they got to be, I mean, one, I, I think I, I think it's perfect. I think that's the price point it probably should have been at. If Ooh. anything, twenty nine ninety nine probably would have been fine enough. Twenty five, I think, was was put would have been a good target market, you know, for them. I but like twenty four ninety nine. I really yeah. like nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine, they're gonna sell. I really they, like nineteen ninety nine, and I think it's great on their part because they're even they know it. They're like, fuck it, no one's gonna buy it <sighs> at this point until that point, and people are gonna hold off. But no one was buying it anyways. Yeah. Whatever numbers that they were trying to say, sure, some suckers did it, but I mean. For the fact that they already dropped it once, you know, shows to me that mm-hmm. that there was no demand for it. Um, but fuck yeah, I'm doing it. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm gonna do it. Are we, can we expense that? Yeah. I See, that's know. the thing. That is that is one thing that I that I will admit. Sometimes when people are like, hey, is it you know is it worth this? Like when we have those discussions, yeah. is it worth this? Is it worth that? Like, is it worth ev- this? Is it worth that? Throw the something, something, Boy, something. the J-Mo. Put, put your game down, flip it, and reverse, reverse it. it. Yeah. <laughs> then do the other part. <laughs> she does Thanksgiving, y'all. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Give thanks for this episode, uh, Yeah, no, but I always feel bad when we, we have discussions about is it worth it or not because – is the price value? Is the, I know. I heard. Yeah. Is is the price? Uh, is the value of the purchase uh, quantifiable, uh, measurably exchanging? Oh, yeah, that totally that totally kills the buzz right there. You did it. You did it. Uh, yeah. God damn it. Uh, because we get paid back for it. Yeah. You know, I I do. I do but even to- after it, yeah, it makes you wonder. Like. Even if you knew you wouldn't, I probably would have. Because I even think, because I think about this sometimes. I'm like, uh, am I even going to claim it or whatever? But right. at twenty dollars, I'm like, fuck it, I'll yeah, do course. it. Of course, why not? Just it's to Chuck Liddell and I mean, Ortiz. It's right. two. It's two of the greatest of all time. And even if you want to argue they're not yeah. the greatest of all time, I think. I mean, I, I get it. They like, have a huge part. They're of two the of the biggest superstars of all if, time. If, if, if the lower third is Hall of Famer. You got to give respect. You got to give props. Like, regardless if some people might look at Stefan Bonner like, oh, it was that one fight that made him. So what? In the Hall of Fame. Still but part still, of the fabric of history. It's part of the history. It's part of why it became what it is. And these two guys, it's hard to think of MMA, the UFC, without You can't this, think of that era. Guys. You can't think of that right. era without bringing without them shit. up. You know right. what I mean? They were the superstars were, of that era. They were the company. I mean, they were. They literally carried the company on their shoulders. You know, I mean – you got to give them props. So the fact that this is probably could well could be the last time you see them fight. It's going to be probably the last time they're ever going to see this fucking right. these two fight each other again. But you know, Chuck. I mean, there's a lot of people questioning why he's even out there fighting. You know, the money. You know, especially if the money was, you know, no guarantee. Like if it was all purely just off of pay per view points or whatever. Right. A lot of people could be like, oh, that's just ridiculous. So you never know if you're going to see Chuck ever again step in the cage and fight in this particular element again. So, yes, it, it might. there might be parts of the fight that are kind of cringy because if it gets to the point. Of course. I mean, if I get cringy watching Neil Magny that can't defend himself and I'm, I hate watching the leg kicks and I can get out of a guy that's legit in it. Right. You know, I know I'm going to have those moments when I'm watching this right. fight. If, if one of these guys gets hurt – uh, it, and and just doesn't look like they should be in there. Like, they're if they're looking like me in there, that's looking like a, you know a fish out of water. That's gonna be hard. Then it'll be hard to watch. But if both guys go in there and say it's just three minutes of standing in the middle of the ring and they just blast each other and one guy gets dropped, 
I'm going to love it. I will not feel bad at all watching these two <laughs> knock one another out of unconsciousness because they want to do it. This is two guys that have done this for their whole life, and it's two consenting individuals. And I think the same thing of you know, two amateurs making the pro debut. If they want to go in there and, and bang heads and they're of sound mind and they want to do it and this is what gets them off, fuck it. Go for it. You know, Dude, I'll watch it. I mean, like, look at this. Let's say, you know, I mean, I've got a little bit of Conor McGregor fatigue right now. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But let's say he hung it up. Let's say he's like, I got $100 million in the bank. I don't need nothing. Yeah. And then at 45 years old, Conor McGregor came back and said, I'm ready to do this again. You fucking tune in. Yeah. And that's what these are. This, yeah. this is Conor McGregor of a different era. I mean, Maybe yeah. if you're a new fan of the sport, you don't understand that. But yeah. these were the guys. Yeah. The, and not only were they the guys, they were the guys that had the rivalry. This is not like, you know, let's say like, uh, I don't know, man, Randy Couture and Dan Severn decided yeah. to run, you know, to, to, to decide to come out of retirement and do a fight right now. Like, no offense to those guys, both legends of the sport in their own right. But that's not doing nothing for me. Right. But, but Chuck and Tito, like, yeah, I'm concerned. This yeah. th- To me – Yes, I understand what I'm signing up for. I am not signing up for a world title fight. I am not signing up for a number one contender fight. I'm signing up to a fight that I have a little bit of question marks, especially after about five minutes or so. You know, after that first round, it could get a little dicey. You know what I mean? But I'm signing up to see two of the greatest, you know, superstars of of all time in there one more time. You know, to me, for for 20 bucks, for 20 bucks, for 50 bucks. No way. 50 bucks is ridiculous. 50 bucks, I would be happy enough just watching, the, seeing the results and hoping for a clip. Getting, getting a clip on Sports just Center. Getting or something. a clip on Sports Center. Yep. Like, that's, that's, not, that's not fine. Not for 50, but for not 20, for 50, sign me up. 20 all day long. I mean, you're right. I mean, when you say like these, just to put it in, in terms of like, for when you said like this is like the Connor. Connor, you, when you throw Connor's name out there, when you throw Ron out there, they had that value to where the, the casuals. You know, not to steal a phrase from Tony, uh, you know, Ferguson or anybody, <laughs> the casuals in the hardcores. But the fact that people know these things. My brother knows who of course. Iceman is. You know, he knows who Tito Ortiz is. You know, my girl absolutely loved Chuck Liddell and hated Tito. But does she watch the fights every week? Hell no. 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 Doesn't. But that's what these people did. I mean, like, everybody knows who these two are. Everybody. So, I mean – and I give them respect. Like, if if they want to go in there and do it, I'll give them the respect to do it just for the fact of I know personally that if my money buying it also is going to go in their pockets and not just pad the line, the pocket of, of Golden Boy, like if I know that they're getting right. a better stake, this is my part of saying, okay, thank you for the other fights. It's a fair point, man. You know, I That's never a got a chance point. to maybe contribute to what they're getting you did such before. a huge chunk of this. Right. It feels better. That's a great point. You know, I and mean, it does seem like, I mean, and again, you've seen them firsthand. I haven't had a chance to see them firsthand, but. I mean, again, we don't know what we're going to get exactly, but at the very least, it does feel like they both took this seriously. It does feel like their heads in it. Like this they does not feel like seriously. A, yeah, this is not a cash grab yeah. where uh, James Tony is just like yeah. you know what I mean. I, 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 James Tony took his shirt off at the weigh-ins, and we were just like, oh come yeah. on, dog, you see, didn't even train. See, seeing the open workout and seeing the honest reaction of when Tito chastise Chuck for his endurance after like, oh, that was 30 seconds and you already winded, blah, blah, blah. To see the look in Chuck's face and to see his reaction when he went back and did the leg kicks on the bag, they're taking this serious. Yeah. Like, they took this very personal and they worked. And whether, it, you know, whether maybe they didn't 
doing eight week training camp. You know, Tito says he did a fucking 18, 18 week camp or whatever. <laughs> Chuck knows that he just needs to make sure he can take some endurance. You know, he can get a punch, take a punch. That was his big shock was the fact of, you know, getting back in there and just taking punches after not taking punches. I think just had to get back into that. And so if he gave himself enough time to get used to that, you know, shake off the ring rust, you know, we're going to get it. But these guys, I mean, don't let there be any doubt in people's minds that they think that these guys just signed on the dotted line to go out there and not put decent effort. They're going to give you what they got. They're going to give you what they got. We'll find out what they got. We'll find out what they got. But they're going to give you what they got. They will give it. And that's worth 20 bucks. Yeah, I agree, man. I'm down. Uh, We didn't have to make a pick, but do you have a pick on this? Because I'll be honest with you. I can go first on this one. You can. I do do have a pick. Okay, again, I don't like – picking question marks and all the question marks are Chuck right I mean Chuck beat him twice I mean Chuck beat him twice but you go back and watch those fights man Tito was out of sorts man he was intimidated he was I don't I I don't know if it was intimidated nervous I don't know what the exact word is but he he wasn't I think he he idolized him a little bit I think he did too he wasn't comfortable and loose I think they didn't he didn't want that fight to happen I mean he he looked more into he thought the friendship and the training was a lot more believe, to him. I think you're right. I think they had two completely different points of view of right. what their relationship was. Especially if you just take them on their own words. Yeah. Chuck was like, uh, he was just a training partner. We've never really been friends. You know, we we're acquaintances. You know, Tito thought that they were close friends, you know, and it was like, oh, we won't fight. You know, like that wouldn't happen. I think that was a big uh, just eye-opener to him, you yep. know, and it was made it a lot more personal, but it showed what he had put into it. Because even after that first loss, you know, he was like, Chuck's one of the greatest, man. You know, I've looked up to the guy, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, I think he was a little shell-shocked, you know. Right. I think, you know, but it's so a, what's the pick? a lot what's of time. It's been a lot of time. I'm, I'm leaning towards the the more active fighter. Tito. I think you're, yep. you're right in the fact of the, the question marks. I did like what I saw when uh, Chuck got fired up and was throwing the kicks and was pissed off. Um, so if he could manifest that anger for the first initial and hope to catch a couple leg kicks and maybe should throw some strikes, I just think that the game speed has changed and that ring rust is going to show itself up there. And Tito, he's just big and he's just he's active. I think he's going to try to stand for a second if he's smart. He's going to try to just transition something to get him to the ground and be heavy on him and let Chuck burn his energy, whether or not he's really damaging him a lot or not. I think if he could control him on the ground and throw some punches just so that Chuck's expending that power, uh, it's going to go into Tito's favor. So, yeah, I lean towards Tito in this. I mean, if it was years ago, I would have leaned towards uh, Chuck all day. But, too. It's but now it's just just the, the inactivity for so long. And- and, and, he's, you know. and he's, I mean, he's a decent-looking 48, but he's still 48. Yeah. <sighs> it's a tough call, man. It is, but, he, I mean, he's got power. And, he, and, and that's the thing. It's it, it's also, I mean, if Tito shows up and he's too overconfident, he could get caught if he, if he thinks that he, Chuck doesn't have power anymore. Chuck's still got some power. And that's the thing. I mean, it's like that great line, you know, I might not be as good as I once was, you know, or but I, I can be good as – Wait, I'm not good as I ever – whatever. You know what I'm know saying? What saying? But he can be good <laughs> once. <laughs> how's, that, how's that go? I may not be good as I ever was, but I'm, I'll be, I'm good once as I ever was. <laughs> I think that's something along those lines. Does that make sense? Sure. I, I mean, I, yeah, whatever. But he can do it once <laughs> if he goes out there. <laughs> I think that I think I came clear on that one. I may, I may not be good as I ever was, but I'll be good once as I ever was. I don't know. 
fuck it. Whatever. I stole part of that from a country song. But, uh, oh, it is. I was like, why have I never heard that? Because it's from a Toby Keith song. I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what is he going for, dude? It's a fucking country song, dog. You know how I roll. Uh, I'm like, what? Socrates, Plato S. Beer drinking solo cup, Socrates, solo cup, Socrates. Ah, that's great. Uh, I'm glad you looked it up. I knew it was. I knew it was Toby Keith. I just didn't want to throw that out there at first. But, I ain't uh, as good as I once was, but I'm good as once good once as, as I ever was. <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean, dude? Come on, you know, you just got to get it up once, uh, and that's the thing, you know. <laughs> Well, the way he sings, the, how, how he sings the song, like the part in the song, like he, him and his buddy are at a bar, and uh, they're drinking, and his buddy just starts a fight, you know, and his buddy's like, dude, are you going to help me out? You know, and he's like, ugh. Oh, like, see, when you said he's just got to get it up once, I well, like, that's it, that's, a, no, that's another part of the song. Even, oh, that's another one, okay. you know, especially because the part of the song has, like, girls talking, like, and they're like. He's like, I can't fight all the time, but I You know, but I, I'd be good once, you know, but yeah, the girls is oh. another part of it as well. So. Got it. You know, we're a clean show. I don't talk about that <laughs> of sort course, of stuff yeah. on here. Yeah, totally clean. <laughs> but uh, he has the possibility, and it just depends. Uh, if if Tito, you know, just goes in there and just doesn't trust that Chuck does it, doesn't have the power, and if Chuck can connect, all it takes is to hurt him. Because he's – man, when you go back and see the speed, like the first, the oh. first victory when he hurt Tito. So great. His hands, like, multiplied it. Like, almost like that uh, when you watch a – like the movie, uh, like you see, ever seen the, like the Last Dragon or the ones where he starts punching and you just see a blur of yeah. hands. That's how it looked, you know. He just he has that speed, and I think he still has some of that speed. Maybe not the precision and the coordination. I mean, it'll be a diminished speed, but right. you know, all it takes is that one flurry because yeah. he still has power. I guarantee power hasn't gone. It's gonna. Be I mean, good. it's it might not be where it was, right. but he still has power. But it can be you know? where it was once. Once. <laughs> <laughs> one flurry for one flurry in that fight people are going to be like oh that was like the old chuck oh, now man. will that flurry have finished the fight that's the question it just depends you know but keep that toby keith song in mind when you do it <laughs> so great all have, right have your solo cups oh, ready oh there you go toby keith uh one last thing for me i want to shout out to the uh the help i got on uh on red dead uh by the way oh, yeah. the 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 advice that came out there of how to keep have your you horse galloping yes i've now, used it multiple my times my horse was killed by the way, because really? I did get shot by, uh, be- I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and bandits I ran up on some bandits, and they shot and killed my horse. But I don't care. You know I've had you, so many. Did you I've use the horse s- reviver? Uh, uh, like part of the things you know, like you have like the health stuff that you yeah. can take to heal your. One of the things is horse reviver, and it gives them a shot, and they just boop, 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 pop up. I did, I did not know that. So you learn Damn something it. else. Yeah, especially if like a good horse. Oh, I had a really good like, horse. You're like, oh, if you lose your horse, like then your game sucks and you're back to whatever. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, they have like the horse survivor. And I, I'm sure, I think that brings them back from whatever. Well, I wasn't bitter because I'd had so many like times to drink beer and ride that, yeah. uh, that I hadn't had before <laughs> that I was pretty. I, was, I do it every game now. I yeah, find every some game. point where I'm just like, okay, auto. And then I'm just, all you do is either hold your button down and just like the trot button or you can, if you want to speed up, you can yeah. tap it more or whatever. Unless there's like a. A storyline happening, and stuff. When they're yeah. talking, then they don't really speed so up. But shout out to the Red Dead help. I didn't, that, have, I didn't get a lot of chance to play this past week. It's been a busy week, but yeah. uh, dude, I play. I have some twisted shit in my head. Like there's sometimes, like, like uh, there's a point where like some traveler off the side, he'll say something, and he pissed me off, and I'll rob him, and then I rob their horse, and the horse will kick you. 
Like sometimes if you don't like calm the horse kick you, I get pissed off. I shoot I shoot the horses. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. there's something wrong with I play me. like nice cowboy. Like I So you're on like the nice meter because it keeps track of your reactions. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. But yeah, well, I sometimes it'll nice pop meter. up at the bottom. Or you'll see after the set, you'll see a little logo and it looks like a, a cowboy head. Yeah. It'll be a plus sign in like white or something. Right. Or it's in red and oh, a minus. I try to be nice. I mean, your, you karma, have to do your cowboy crimes. karma is going up or down. Oh, dude, I got all kinds of cowboy karma. Oh, yeah. But those horses that kick me, oh, they're done. <laughs> But you can do some. I do a lot of hunting in that game. I do. I I do virtual hunting. I don't. I I respect hunters and I respect and I understand it and I get it. But it's certainly a lot easier to hunt on a video game. So you can just run out there in the wilderness and find an animal and shoot it. Because it's part of it. Because you get pelts and stuff, so you can uh, do like the stuff. So you can get. I basically stuff just do all the. But you can do I it just for do all the missions. Too. I basically just do all the missions. But yeah, because what uh, you'll notice sometimes if like your health and your core go down and yeah. you don't have a thing, you need to sleep. Is right. part of it, so you have to camp or whatever. But another one, just eat. Like you find the game, you're just always on missions, killing people. Right. But you probably never eat. Oh, my core is always gone. I just that's because you don't eat or sleep. Nah. You got to eat or sleep. It's part of the game. That's why they added in there is like as such a big thing. And that's also too how you can sort of save your game. That's a game changer. Like if sure. you're like playing, you're like fuck, I'm in the middle of somewhere. Like camp, or like go to sleep. So then. You could turn off your game, right. and then it knows where to start back. Yeah. Now, if you're in the middle of a mission, it'll f- kill your mission, or it won't right. let you do it, or whatever. But I just because that used to drive me crazy. Cause I just I, go into rest mode on the PS4, and then it starts right where I left off. Yeah, but if you're in the middle of like sometimes in the street or something, well, it depends. But you know, that's trusting that the game doesn't shut itself off or crash mm. or do whatever. But if you do that, it's like putting a save point because there's no saves. I'm learning so much. You can't just go like, oh, I basically start just get drunk save. and play cowboy. I know, but it's fun, isn't it? <laughs> but you don't go out hunting and just like kill nah, people. Nah, I've just been like running shit? missions. I feel like I can go back and do that stuff maybe later. I'm maybe I'm a psycho or something. <laughs> <laughs> but damn it, those horses that kick me—they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, everybody, we hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. Red Dead Two e-games. Yeah, <laughs> sponsor us. We'll do Sp- it. Sponsored by Red Dead Two. I'm gonna go get drunk and play some Red Dead. Yeah, that's that's not bad. You still haven't played Fortnite though, have you? Nah, I never will. Yeah, that shit's hard. That's all I need to know. (laughs) Thanks for listening.